What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 98th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I should have got a drink, I just noticed, but whatever. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin returns from the grave. What up? Slightly, slightly. I, uh, I'm i back. I don't have a migraine, but I am sunburnt. Uh, okay. So, right. you know... <laughs> You know, trade one for the other thing. Welcome back. How you're feeling better? Yeah, other than the sunburn. You missed our last episode. One uh, Tim Gettys from Kind of Funny uh, filled in for you last week on our 97th draft. Thanks, you were Tim. missed. Yeah, you were missed. Um, uh, but Tim and I had a, a a cool conversation. It was the first first episode of this show that uh, one of us have ever missed. So at least you have that now. Yeah, I mean, I would um, have I would have definitely come on the show if Tim wasn't there. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I would I would have I would have come on the show even like if it was just like a regular headache. So oh no, no, no I just no, want to let fine. people know. It wasn't COVID. It was to do yeah. with working out. I got out. like two messages being like, is Eric okay? And I'm like, yeah, I think he just well, really needed a rest. That's the funny thing. So I tweeted that. Yeah. And I got a call the day after I tweeted that from my father <laughs> who doesn't have Twitter and thought it was Instagram. So clearly yeah. it was one of my cousins or my aunt or uncle on on my dad's side telling him because when mm-hmm. he called me he's like eric i heard on the instagram uh that you were sick and, and i was like or maybe it was instagram if you posted about like the episode with tim and said that you weren't on it or right something, right right it just yeah. it just the way that he said it it sounds like you know an old person not knowing sure yeah yeah, yeah. so anyways um yeah it was it was to do with working out i pushed myself way too far i hadn't had that kind of a migraine since high school when uh yeah we would do the awful, beep test yeah so like anytime we would do the beep test in high school automatically that's the kind of migraine i would get where i just could not see had the worst headache in the world because i pushed myself too far and i've been pushing myself a little bit too far recently because i've been stressed out due to um an upcoming uh, uh, blood, uh, doing some blood work, getting a, going for another sort of series of tests. I'm fine. It's just I was just more stressed out about it because I wanted to be Add in the best shape possible. Work. No, I know, I, but I just want- I, we got the same issues. I have a fatty liver too. We I, I went through all of this stuff where they're like, we just figure out what's wrong with you, and they're like, ah, you probably should just start eating like crap. Not saying that you do, I did. Um, right. Stop eating like crap and work out a little bit more. So, which I've I've lost ten pounds, Eric. Um, I'm sure you you have over the last um while too. But like I. Uh, I know at the beginning of the year, we talked about being healthier, that went out the window. And then just in the last, as the pandemic went on, I think as you know, and I quit my job in March, everyone who's listens to the show knows this, but like, you know, depression kicks in a little bit too. And I just ate like, ate like shit for so long for during this pandemic and was never leaving my house. So no exercising and eating like crap to the point where I was like, I'm not healthy right now. This is not, this is not great. Uh, not that anything to be worried about. I just wasn't happy in, in how I was feeling and looking. So, uh, I'm in the same boat as you where, um, I'm not great at, you know, exercising still. I still need to push myself, but I've started to eat better. Um, whatever that is, it's just not eating like complete trash i'm still a trash and portion control too i think that's an important thing and like if you're going to stress eat 
find things to stress eat that are i love yogurt now yogurt I've never or thought... salad or Dude, something like that i sound like such a dork but i've been eating these oikos zero percent uh greek yogurt uh, wild berry or pink lemonade fucking dynamite apples green apples are dope i sound like such a this this you is sound like jamie just lee like, curtis selling yeah. activia well it's i mean it's just like I used to always go to, you know, a bag of Doritos or some fucking coffee crisp or a Butterfinger. And like, I almost played it into my persona of like, ha ha, I eat garbage all the time. I eat Taco Bell all the time or whatever. And I'm like, at a certain point, I'm like, oh man, I'm pushing, you know, a weight that I, not that weight matters specifically. It's more how you feel and different things like that. Like I never, and some people just have different body types. Right. But like, to me, I was at a point where I wasn't feeling healthy and I started to feel really shitty about myself and just feel shitty in general to the point where I'm like, okay, I got to find some foods and get better habits. I think it's fine to have everything in moderation. Like during this time of quote unquote eating better, I've still gotten Taco Bell. I ate pizza twice this week and I still lost weight it's just how you do it and if you don't ha- do it all the time and, and you appreciate it, like you said, it more too and right? you do when i had i ordered Domino's the other night because i was in a mood where you know nevis has been really busy at work um we've been doing a lot on you know the the podcast and just lots of screeners and you know we're starting to go back out into the wild as as you know i mean covid cases are going up again but as things were opening up we were going out more and like that just took a toll on me too because we haven't done it for a year and a half and there was one day where i forget what we were doing maybe we were recording or maybe it was the episode i did with tim uh the green night you guys can check out me on kind of funny reactions as well uh had a blast doing that but i think when i recorded that it was like past five and i'm like i want a fucking pizza and like just a shitty pizza like i don't want to go to a fancy pizza place and have to wait an hour and pay 25 dollars. you don't want I'm an like, artisanal pizza want, you like, want the I dumpster want dive dollar, pizza. <laughs> i want a 12 dollar domino's grease thin, me up baby uh, thin crust pizza with just some pepperoni and some veggies on it four three um, nine oh oh, oh, oh pizza, uh, pizza no. I I don't love pizza. Nova, I don't either, but, but like, I like the jingle. And Domino's I love like as just fast food pizza. Like I'm like, you know what? Domino's is the classic. Like it'll be here in half an hour. Let's just call it and get Domino's. And like I felt bad about it at the time. But then um, I'm like, you know what? I'm crushing half this pizza and it is what it is. You, sometimes. And then I took that first bite of pizza and I haven't had pizza in a month and a half or whatever. And um I'm like, oh my god, this tastes so much better when you don't eat it once a week. Right, <laughs> like when you it don't have it. It loses meaning if you do it all. McDonald's the, time, the same, right? Taco Bell the same. Like if you just start having it as part of your regular diet, it doesn't really become fun to eat. You're just eating, and then like that stuff, I think is all fine. And it, like to your point of everything in moderation is just like don't have Taco Bell all the time. If you want to have Taco Bell once a month or or once every two weeks once a week whatever but like limit stuff to having um and and just eat what you want but try to make better healthier habits and that's what i've been doing well even with pizza like you don't necessarily have to have like you know uh, a traditional um sort of dough base you can sort of pick other things as well like whether you know like to build your own pizza and and have things that are I did sort of, thin crust for both pizzas I had this week, which cuts a little bit of the doughiness. Yeah, and the, and the or go out with of it, right? you know whole wheat or something like that. Yeah, like it, just just little things that 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 help change that. But and that's what I've been doing. But like when it comes to the and stuff like that. when it comes to the workout stuff, that is harder to do because I feel like you need at least two weeks to completely kind of commit and 
add it yeah, into your you routine. You got to do it regularly, and then it just becomes a routine. Right? Yeah. So with me, I've been doing it since oh, uh, probably no, no, late October, early November till now, and what I've been doing most recently and part of, I think why the migraine was triggered was because I I've been do because the weather is nicer and um, sometimes very hot, though. very hot, but, but I usually go out early in the morning. So, yeah. um, so I either walk or work out and it's yeah. every other day I do one or the other. So, yeah. you know, like the mornings I'm not, uh, I'm not walking. I'll work out the, the mornings. I'm not working out. I'll walk You'll and go for I'll a walk, get yeah. up at around like, for example, for a walk, you know, six o'clock, six AM and and go then and, and, and go I for can, about yeah. an hour, right? And again, it, it's just something you have to you, you have to want to do it. I think that's the first thing. And I do thing. want to and like I, I went for a walk the other day, but I went out mid afternoon and it was twenty eight degrees. And I, I was like, oh I'll go on a short because I just needed some fresh air after doing something. And then um uh, I'm like, ooh, hi, already. This is way too hot for a you walk already feel right spicy. now. And then I, I walked for way too far. And then you get halfway, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I gotta walk back now. And then I like, cause I, I, where I live, I walked down to King Street, Eric. And then I was like, down by, uh, uh, what's down there? Not um, Sushi Mountain, but like, um, it's where a bank used to be. Now it's something. It doesn't matter. But then I ended up at a gas station. I bought a Mountain Dew. Didn't drink the Mountain Dew, but brought the Mountain Dew home because it was a limited edition Mountain Dew Baja Fresh. Um, so I'm still trash. Watcho wasn't on that one, though, uh, was he? No, he was not. Um, but I still am trash, even when I'm trying to be healthier. And I'm like, I'll treat myself with this Mountain Dew when I'm at the cottage this week. Because uh, as you guys are listening to this, I'm at a cottage. Um, so uh, we, there won't be reviews this week. Well, actually, we do have What If landing um, on Tuesday the tenth. But yeah, but we also, I mean, like if you go back into the archive, you can oh, we have listen. Tons, yeah. yeah, you can listen to a lot of the stuff. Well, specifically, um, Coda is 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 getting released yeah. on uh, Apple TV Plus uh, starting on Friday. Um, so you know, one of my you, favorite movies of the year. If you, one of if my you favorite wanna, movies of Sundance. Yeah. yeah, if you want to listen to our Sundance reaction, you can go back into the we'll archive and check that, that. For everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and then um, what else? Oh, I went bowling. That was some exercise too, which is like I couldn't believe how many calories I burned bowling because you know my body's not used to. Here's the thing about the bowling. So I have my Apple Watch and I do the workout thing on there, so you can track how many calories you did and how long and stuff like how, what your heart rate was and all that stuff. We went to Boston Pizza, Eric, before bowling. Um, so we wanted, you know, things are opening up and we masked and social distanced and stuff. And we thought bowling would be a good activity to do because, you know, you can book a lane and, you know, people stay away from you and you just use your lane. But we went to a Boston pizza for people who aren't Canadian. I don't know what to compare it to, but it's like a sit down pizza restaurant, but they have other things other than pizza and it's called Boston Pizza for some reason. It's very, um, it, it's considered almost bro centric in terms of a uh, little bit. Yeah, it's just a sports bar kind of thing. But I know it's a family kind of thing too. Like I know, like Nevis's parents loved Boston Pizza, and and they do have one really excellent thing, which is the spicy pierogi pizza. It is fucking fantastic it is so bad for you um but i went there and i got an individual spicy pierogi pizza thin crust and um and it was fishbowl friday eric and if people aren't familiar with fishbowl friday you get an alcoholic drink uh that's in a fishbowl a mini fishbowl and it's um usually three ounces of alcohol so three shots and then a shit ton of sugary 
liquid um depending on what you get or there might be like nevis got a margarita one and it had a full corona upside down in it because um, of family uh yeah because i was there with family with nevis and sarah my sister and then i got uh this colorful one which was like a lemonade uh drink and then i got a long island iced tea or no a peach iced tea one after because i drank two of those motherfuckers at Boston Pizza with my pizza. And then I went to go bowling for an hour. And I haven't been bowling in ages, uh, but had an absolute blast bowling. And 10-pin uh, bowling, um, having so gone in So you went from fishbowl to bowling. Yeah. And um, and then I looked at my watch. I burned so many fucking calories because my heart rate, probably because the alcohol in the pizza made my heart rate be like 150 <laughs> beats uh, a second uh, or a minute uh, while I was bowling. So I burned a shit ton of calories and I was like fucking sweating. And then they gave you $10 for the arcade afterwards. So we played in the arcade for like a good hour after or like getting tickets for the prizes and shit like that. And uh, played some connect for basketball, um, played some monopoly, spin the die. Nevis is playing mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff. They have Mario Kart there and, and, and stuff. It's like, way more fun and my friend weirdly owns the bowling alley or like i went to their wedding and um was north it there? End bo- um what do you mean the, bo- the wedding bo- yeah. no 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 that no, would no, be no, sweet no. um uh friends of my a friend of mine from high school married uh the gentleman's into the family that owns north end bowl so i went to their wedding um and it's been a staple in oshawa forever and i haven't been there in a long time but very nicely renovated and um I don't know. I had a fun time bowling. It has nothing to do with movies, but you know, that's what I did. Well, some uh, of the greatest Big Lebowski, movies, Big Lebowski, like, Kingpin. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, some of the great bowling, movies about bowling. Way more fun than I thought it was or, or remembered it being. Yeah. I mean, bowling has always been one of those things where like, I think on a competitive level, it can be as destructive as any other sure. sort of mainstream sport. But when you're kind of just having fun with friends or family, um, it, it can be a blast even if you you know strike out or you know or or, or get that I like perfect to say strike. i crushed nevis and sarah so you know feel like a big man myself. don't you <laughs> yeah, yeah what you get up to anything or uh, no not, so you, it's been a week and a or two weeks really so. yeah i mean for the most part it was I mean, just I've seen you multiple times recovering talking. from the migraine and then um you know, like going downtown for, for press screenings for free guy and, and uh, the, the suicide, suicide squad, squad and yeah. just catching up on a couple of things. And like this week coming up, I know you're at the cottage, um, but I don't, th- this is, it's kind of a, a very laid back, easy week. So I think I'm going to try to catch up with some stuff that um, I have kind of missed in the last couple of months. IFC sent me some links to films that, um, you know that they're starting to do they're not necessarily award screeners it's like mid-season kind of stuff and they want people to watch now so they're not bombarded at the end of the year so you know i might catch up on the eric banna movie the dry and things like that but yeah it's been a pretty easy week overall other than you know getting sunburnt the other day because i went to go um grab a coffee with um my friend and uh editor uh slash producer judy Kalo and uh was horribly sunburnt because uh, I stayed outside way too long than what we kind of arranged in terms of we just catching up, which was nice. No sunscreen either. Uh, No, I did, but I had like, um, like a spray. Like normally I like, I do the spray. I do the spray, but the spray didn't work. 
It yeah, did no, not work. That's usually the thing. You really got to like, I feel like it is a little bit of a sham, but like I, I hate when I was younger, I used to hate putting on like the sun cream, like the sunscreen, but like the sun cream, just like, yeah, the sun cream was just like, it's so, it was the worst feeling. It was cold all the time and you're at the beach and you got to put this fucking cream all over your body. Yeah, and well, and the like, smell as well. Although the smell does kind of has trigger, gotten better, like, I feel like beach memories i guess like sure, i always yeah. like anytime you know when you're a kid you go to the beach you put on you lather on that sunscreen there is that kind of like that it's like you smell like even when you're going to a movie and you smell somebody that has sunscreen on it feels like oh it's like a beach kind of oh, totally yeah sort of scent of nostalgia um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean for the most part just kind of taking it easy and seeing where things go just uh more you know again sort of nervous about getting the blood work even though you know, it's not like a big deal or anything, but nah, it'll be fine. Yeah. That's about it. Good man. Yeah. I'll be at the beach a lot. I think at this cottage, the beach is like a two minute walk from this cottage. Like it's not on the water, but it's like right beside it. So it should be fun. And it's relaxing. Like they don't have any Wi-Fi, so I can't really, uh, stream anything or be on the internet. Like I have my phone and stuff, which gets reception, but, um, I, I'm going to try not to be on my phone all that much. So I'll bring up some, blu-rays like i did last time and we're going up for longer than we did last time um i'll bring up some blu-rays because there is a blu-ray player there i will bring my apple tv in case i want to cast something from my phone if i download some stuff to my phone or my ipad but like i do kind of want to you know bring a good group of movies that are fun to kind of watch at the at the cottage and and uh watch some of that read i want to read the um there's a couple books that I want us to talk about eventually. Uh, maybe we'll just do a book episode or something like that where we'll book um, it. when you get to the Seth Rogen book, which I've read, but I'm also going to read the Tarantino once upon a time in Hollywood book while I'm at the cottage. That'll be my cottage read. Um, I read the first chapter of it and I was like, not in the mood for this right now. It seems too similar to the movie. Like the dialogue was ripped right from that first sequence with Al Pacino and, and DiCaprio. But even though the, have you read any of it yet? I've read the, I've read the first chapter. Yeah. Well. That first chapter that now takes place at his office instead of the restaurant. And I'm like, seems pretty similar, just like more. And I don't know if I need more, <laughs> um, but that's only the first chapter. So like, I- I'm going to try to uh, read that at the cottage and hopefully get into that and then read a couple other books. I might read Rhett Link's uh, book, the book of mythicality. Uh, I also have bleak Creek as well. Um, so like, I- I'm kind of going to go through that stuff, maybe read the Roger Ebert book, but that's pretty ambitious of me to read that much while I'm up there, but we'll see. Um, I'm I'm excited to go um, and just escape for a bit, which is why we won't have a review for Don't Breathe 2 this week. Well, we uh, can't have – well, we won't have a review, you know, before the release anyways because they're not screening it. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. I know we hadn't gotten an invite yet, but I didn't I, – I didn't know we confirmed that they weren't screening it, but um, – which – I guess doesn't surprise me, but um, is interesting because I remember going to the first one as a screening. I had to turn down, unfortunately, an awesome opportunity based on the Don't Breathe movies, but um, I'm hoping um, I'll be able to do this thing later in a different capacity. But um, I'm excited to see it. I don't know what the hell to expect. I'm going to rewatch that, the first one, um, probably tonight before. Actually, I don't know if I have time and Nevis doesn't want to watch it because she hates stuff like that. But um, I do want to watch it. It's a great Thanksgiving movie. Oh, no, no, no. 
Um, but I'm excited, man. So, uh, what else have you, uh, been watching? And while you, uh, talk about that, I will join you in a sec. I'm just going to grab another drink. Going to grab a drinky poo. All right. Well, I'm going on to letterbox right now to see what I've been watching, uh, since the last episode I was on. So I'm going into my diary. You can follow me on letterbox at EM6211 if you wish. Um, so let's look here. I watched, ah, uh, blue, no, not blue. <laughs> I was looking at what we're talking about later with Blue Beetle. Uh, so I watched Blood Red Sky, the Netflix vampire uh, on a plane movie, which is a very slick, well-made um, sort of vampire uh, plane film, although it's two hours long and half of it is done in sort of flashbacks to how um, this mother who's being treated for um vampirism although they never really specify if you know the people that are going to be treating her know it's vampirism or if it's just is this the vampire on a plane movie yeah yeah if it's leukemia or something but it's it's her and her young son sort of taking a flight from germany to the u.s and the plane being hijacked by a group Prison of break star <laughs> yeah yeah dominic purcell um who just has the deepest voice ever like it almost sounds like it's like been ADR'd, but that's just how he talks. Like he's just got a very, very low um, tone. Um, it's kind of, it's well, it's weird. It's not a very good movie, but it is well-made. Like it's, it's one of those films that watching it, like I was thinking, Oh, this is going to be, you know, like a sci-fi channel esque film. And it's not that like it, like the practical effects actually are, are really well done. Um, some of the action and direction is well choreographed. It just really overstays its welcome and is kind of overall predictable and never really that scary or that kind of engrossing with the material other than just being a high concept horror movie. Um, so it's, it's fine. Like, I think it's one of those films that if you, you know, don't watch it now, but if you're looking for some stuff to watch maybe in October, you know, for the Halloween month, because I know some people don't watch horror movies unless it is Halloween. Um, you know, maybe that's one to catch then, especially if you're waiting to something, waiting for something that's a little bit more kind of specific within a subgenre. Like if you're looking, looking for a vampire movie uh, specifically. So um, yeah, blood red sky is, totally fine for what it is but nothing to really sink your teeth into fair, fair. yes <clears throat> i got a sprite zero you did and i realized my body is very sore from bowling which is very pathetic um i sent you a john cena gift because oh, yeah. you said that you couldn't see me but now we're good but now uh, i see yeah. you <laughs> uh blood red sky yeah i don't know if I'll, i might get to it in october or something like that but yeah because um, you only watch horror movies no, in October. no, no. Uh, Nevis and I watched the first episode of Hacks last night, uh, which I really, really enjoyed uh, with Gene Smart on HBO Max in the US, Crave here in Canada. I don't have much to say because it's just the first episode, but um, if you're not familiar with Hacks, it's like, uh, have you watched any of it, Eric, or no? No, not yet. I, I will get to it at some point because I do like Gene Smart and Shooter yeah. McGavin. So Yeah, Shooter McGavin is in it. Uh, I I can't wait till he's in the MCU, too. <laughs> what, a, <laughs> what a man. Um, but yeah, basically this uh, super famous uh, comedian uh, is kind of at the – 
not, I don't want to say the end of her career, but her time in the spotlight is kind of fading and she works in Las Vegas doing shows at a casino nightly there. Um, and essentially her, uh, audience is dwindling and they want to pair her with a young writer, uh, who is kind of on the outs because, uh, what seems like she tweeted a very offensive joke and sort of kind of got canceled a little bit. So it's kind of pairing, uh, those two together and I'm at the very beginning still. And, um, we're actually not even finished the first episode because Nevis fell asleep, but not fell asleep because it was late, not because of the quality of the show. And, um, so I don't have much to say other than I started it and I'm very intrigued and have heard good things. Like I enjoyed everything I saw from that first episode, uh, continuing to watch the white Lotus, uh, the Mike white series over on HBO as well. Um, which is on crave here in Canada. Um, uh, a fun kind of deconstruction of a murder mystery kind of show that takes place at a resort over a week. So it's six episodes, which each episode being a week of this, uh, or sorry, a day of this week long vacation. And essentially I described it before, but you, you know, someone at the resort died, um, but you're not sure kind of what happened. And it started sort of like how I felt about the flight attendant where I wasn't sure if it was going to be a hate watch. Yeah. And now I'm just genuinely enjoying it. Like, I think that it has a lot of fun, eccentric characters, and I think it's doing a pretty good job at kind of giving everyone motive of either they could be the one who either, I don't know if someone's going to be murdered or if uh, or if someone just dies, like they didn't specify what happened. They, you just know someone is dead. Uh, but they're giving like motive for certain characters to not like other people, or they're also giving motive of why this person, you know, has some sort of issue with drugs or alcohol or or whatever that could cause the that too. And um, the cast is just great. Like I love Steve Zahn, uh, Alexandra Daddario, who I don't always love in things, but I think she's really good in this. Jake Lacey, who was in The Office. I know him from that. Um, he was an obvious child as well. Uh, obvious child, yeah. Um, uh, who else is in this? Uh, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, who uh, I think at, at times I'm like, I don't know if I like this character. It's a lot. But um, she's just so great at this kind of character. And, and She's got a deadpan. Yeah. And she's so like, essentially her character goes to this resort because her mother just passed away and she brought her ashes there. And she's kind of aloof and like, you know, that person you get caught in a conversation with where you're just like trying to be polite and it's someone who just wants to keep talking and, and be involved in everything or, or something like that. And, that doesn't want to go back um, to their own problems. They want to yeah, be distracted yeah. by everybody else. Yeah. And, um, but she's so good at that. And then the, uh, uh, what's his name? Who's been popping up in everything? Um, the young kid. Oh, uh, 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 Fred. Uh, uh, Hershinger. Yeah, uh, right. Or Hershinger. Or Hershinger. Uh, uh, he's he's great, and like the cast is just everyone is like really enjoyable to watch, and I feel like each episode giving you a piece of the puzzle. Like it ended on a really kind of, and it's just fun and dark and and. Uh, eccentric and uh, it touches on some interesting things about Hawaii and, and, you know, being at a luxury resort in Hawaii and stuff like that. And a bunch of, you know, rich white people going to this resort and kind of stuff like that. And so like the descendants, and, um, uh, 
Uh, yeah, I, I sure a little bit, I guess. Because um, the Descendants has that commentary about like you know yeah. land barons all exactly. being you know yeah. these kind of white privileged specifically yes. males. So the last episode touches on that uh, uh, quite a bit, and each episode I think touch, touches kind of on a different sort of social issue and in, in a different in some interesting ways, and some of it's a little on the nose or or, or things like that. But I think it's my favorite thing Mike White has is done in a long time. So, um, like the I, amazing he's, race. <laughs> he was fun on amazing race and survivor. Um, he, I forgot he was in a, a season or two of survivor. Um, but I, and I glad that he didn't put himself in the show either. Um, cause I, I don't think I necessarily needed that, but like, if you're going through like Brad's status, I did not care for it. See, all, I liked Brad's status quite a bit. Which I also do think uh, deals with with white male privilege in your you know your late forties yeah. early fifties. Did I like Brad's status or am I? No, I think you were kind. I think you were. I was kind of, kind of underwhelmed it, right? on that. Yeah, yeah, and then but I do like his like uh, you know when his earlier stuff when I was younger with School of Rock and Nacho Libre and, and Orange County. I remember liking. I don't know if like any of it really holds up. Kind of like, itching to rewatch Nacho Libre. I remember uh, laughing I would, at yeah. some points so hard with like someone getting corn in their eye. Like a, it's just, I just thought that was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, he, he, I mean, I, I think school of rock is kind of his most sort of commercial um, yeah. film that he's kind of been a part of. I mean, obviously working with both Jack black at the height of his popularity and then Richard Linklater, like it just kind of felt like that was like the perfect storm to make this really kind of weird sort of like, you know, um, high school, the school kind of movie of like, again, you know, in the nineties, it would kind of be like a family friendly film where you have that comedian in the role and, and adults wouldn't bat an eye at like how absurd all of this was, but it almost made this weird sort of commentary on those kind of films in a way that you're mentioning where it deconstructs that whole genre. Um, yeah. So I'm excited about it. I, I really do want to watch it. I'll wait until it's done and just kind of binge it once it's it's finished. Um, but I, it's glad to hear that you, you you're finally kind of getting on its wavelength now. Yeah, I think Mike White's one of those guys where I think better. you need time to kind of adjust to the humor and sort of the tone of what he's going for, whether there be a bit of drama in there or suspense or or what have you, because like his stuff is. When it comes to his movies, like specifically the stuff that he is directing and writing, yeah, it's which he did every episode of this show. Yeah, like you you watch his movies, and it does take a little bit of time to acclimatize to the style. Um, Yeah, and it took me two or three episodes for this. Yeah, so it's not like uh, you know. Mayor of Easttown, where like it kind of is designed to hook you right away. Like it's not that kind of show. Like there's there's a lot of like when he did um Enlightened with Laura Dern, like that was a show that like I really loved, but I didn't start getting into it until the almost the end of the first season. And then I went yeah. back and rewatched th- that first season again. And liked it a lot more because when I had kind it, of gotten used to it knowing, all came together. Yeah. yeah. And even though it only lasted the two seasons, I think it really worked quite well in what sort of represented, you know, Mike White's career. But again, it takes some time. It, it's not dissimilar, actually, to even David Simon, where like 
with that second season of The Wire specifically, you you need to give it time to kind of basically set the table. And then, you know, once everything's kind of been placed, you kind of are able to appreciate it more or see the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. excited to see how it all comes together. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, really enjoying it. So uh, also, Dave, uh, newest episode um, was uh, great. And that is a series that... Uh, especially in the second season um, has gotten better and better and better each episode. Um, It started off a little rough in the first two, three episodes of the season, but uh, I say every week that it's getting better and better in the last episode. Dave goes to work with Rick Rubin at Shangri-La and um, meets Biff Whiff and uh, (laughs) just this very weird experience at Rick Rubin's recording studio and um, uh, a a fantastic episode and everything is coming full circle in this season. And kind of like what you said, Eric, where those earlier episodes um, I will like more now that I know that this whole season is kind of, coming full circle and and dave is such an unlikable guy in this season that it's been hard to kind of get on board with it um but if he comes full circle and um uh and i'm all for it and uh, i i don't i think it's okay to show unlikable protagonists especially when it's coming from you know a guy kind of analyzing you know, his own career and his life and, and putting it on screen for us, even though it might, it's definitely a heightened, you know, version of it, but it is very much, you know, Lil Dickie's Dave Bird's kind of career in life. And, um, it was just funny kind of, there's this guy at this resort called Biff Whiff, who is a legit actor. You can look him up on IMDb is Biff Whiff, Eric. (laughs) He's gotta be in what if, um, yeah, Biff Whiff in what if, um, and he looks like Rick Rubin, so he keeps confusing him for that. And um, I forget how great of a producer Rick Rubin is, too. And he's such an interesting guy and um, and how many people he's worked with and such an eclectic, you know, uh, range of artists. And uh, the whole episode just took, took place there. And it, it kind of goes in some existential kind of uh, deep down into your own psyche kind of places and finding out what's wrong uh, with him and, and his creative process and stuff like that. And, um, and, and touches on things like white privilege and, you know, uh, as, as a guy who's trying to make it in, you know, as a rapper and things like that and um, kind of taking advantage of people and, and things like that. And um, it's great. It's, it's really good. And it was unsettling and, and weird. Cause he, Dave sees like he hallucinates and sees like a, uh, a bald shaved version of himself in a diaper. And it's just this really unsettling image of him of like, uh, and he's talking to his himself in his own mind and stuff like that. And um, Eric, I think you would like this show, but um, cause it's got a, a great mix of just like raunchy, stupid humor mixed with like kind of an intelligent, you know, kind of self-reflective kind of storyline over these two seasons about this flawed kind of character. And um, uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's, I don't hear enough people talking about it. Like I know it has its hardcore fans, but, and people who are fans of Lil Dicky, but um, I think it's, it's great. It's really, really, really good. Um, So that's kind of what I've been watching. Oh, and I finally got to angel has fallen, Eric. (laughs) 
classic. I, I finally got to the third film in the Has Fallen uh, trilogy. Um, thought it was fine. I enjoyed myself. So. You are one of the few that liked that movie. Um, I don't know. I feel like uh, that franchise has its. Uh, I mean, I tweeted it out, and I got kind of got called out for that second movie being um, Islamophobic, which I'm like, eh, yeah, you're right, it is. And then, um, but it does have I, the thirsty line. It he is thirsty as fuck, and I always thought of those movies as just kind of. I thought of them as harmless, which after reading the article that um, uh, I was sent and and reflected on those movies, I'm like, okay, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I uh, I took those tweets down. And I'm like, I'm not going to support this franchise. I, I understand. They're yeah, kinda, even Jared Butler suing Millennium um, Films now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I do. I really liked that first movie and this one, uh, the father son stuff. I actually liked with um, Nick Nolte and. Um, I don't think this one was maybe as fun um, as I had in the, in the other one, but uh, the first one, um, but they're just kind of stupid throwback action movies to me. Like they remind me of like the eighties and nineties where we got a hundred of these movies with action stars, kind of like what Gerard Butler wants to be and just like stupid throwaway, ridiculous action movies that like are I don't know. Like it reminded me of those crappy eighties and nineties action movies that we would watch, but maybe he doesn't have as much presence as a, you know, some of those guys. I don't know. I, I mean, I think Jar Butler is entertaining as, as a personality, but it is that... Mike Banning. Yeah. God, that's such a bad name. Uh, <laughs> the thing that I really hated about that film was the father son angle that it was so comedic at times especially like in its sort of how like, many explosions <laughs> well even the post-credit scene where like they're kind of basically reestablishing their relationship work, but... and like it's almost like huh, we got nick we got nick nolte to do this right um and i didn't and, like that but i i thought some of this stuff was okay but yeah i just remember not caring for it and, and it's because I, I, I like Ro- rick roman Waugh. like i i think like snitch is kind of underrated as um, sort of a little sort of dramatic thriller and, and, you know, like he's, he's a more than capable filmmaker. Um, but like, I think you were talking to me where like, again, like the reveal of, you know, Danny Houston as the villain, it's not surprising in any way whatsoever that, you know, that he is, you can telegraph ever anything. And that's all three of the movies, but then that's what I kind of mean of like, you know, they're, they're not good at all. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I kind of have fun with them just because they're ridiculous kind of throwback action movies for me. Like I, I just reminds me of that era of the eighties and nineties where we got uh, kind of these kind of stupid catchphrasey macho lead kind of action movies where he can kill everyone and save the president or whatever. And it's just does the same thing over and over again. It's right. just like why they would even think it was banning. He's already saved the president two other times. And also if I was living in this world where the president almost gets assassinated every fucking three years is like, all right, this is not uh yeah, but John Houston is John Houston. Yeah. Danny Houston, uh, Danny Houston. Sorry. 
um, right from the beginning. You're like, and then even there's another reveal that is very obvious as well with another actor. I don't oh know yeah, yeah, yeah. Came out a couple of years well, ago. Even I don't with know the, if it's well, like even a with the voiceover anymore. of that actor oh, yeah. in one <laughs> yeah. scene where like the voice is modulated, it's but just then they like, show you who it is right away. But, yeah, like it's so obvious, and like right from the beginning, you go, oh, he seems slimy, and he seems slimy. Okay, they're both the villains. That's and then you- and then including like the stuff with Mike Bannon being more sort of immortal this time around like the idea of him sort of dealing with the physical um, migraines speaking of well, uh, migraines. well not just migraines but like his body just literally just yeah. slowly decomposing on him based on all the physical exertion and then also uh the recasting of rada mitchell with uh piper parabo where it's just kind of like don't yeah. notice it like don't notice that we we recast her like just pretend like you know everything oh, is i the totally same. was like this is a different woman right and yeah then, like because it's been a while since i watched those first two movies and then that's why I, i'm like oh yeah that second movie in in retrospect probably not so great <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyways, finally got around to it because as someone who joked about liking that franchise and then ironically never watched the third one, um, finally got around to it because Nevis and I were we just wanted something stupid to put on, so we were gonna do that or Days of Thunder or Top Gun or uh, there was one other thing, Deep Impact, which I think Morgan Freeman's also the president in he, that. He sure is. <laughs> yeah. So sure we, were, is. we were on a Morgan Freeman president uh, kind of thing where we were like, which movie should we watch? And I'm like, okay, I think it's finally time to watch Angel Has Fallen. And uh, I, again, enjoyed all three of those movies, but I don't think I'll ever revisit them. Uh, maybe that first one, but we'll see. And that's really all I've been watching other than stuff we had to review. Um and that I've been trying to, you know, Nevis and I trying to find different shows to watch because we're, uh, but we're watching stuff on a weekly basis, right? Like whatever tapes. A lot of Olympics has been on, so that's been taking up a lot of the time. Watch the women win uh, gold in soccer, just been kind of every night. The Olympics are weirdly like, it's so funny. Like they're comforting to put on because it's on overnight. So when we go to bed, it's live in because it, it was in Tokyo. So you could put anything on. And I just love watching a bunch of sports that you would never watch and you only watch every four years. And you're getting into like javelin and shot put. And you're like, oh, that's not a good throw. And I'm like, I've never watched shot put in my fucking life. Or it's been like eight years since I last watched it. But you'll get like super into shot put or some random ass sport. Beach volleyball is great. I don't know. But skateboarding a lot of skateboarding i watched the women's final of that which was dope too so you know just had a lot of olympics on anything else on your end oh yeah man i've watched a lot of stuff um yeah exactly so speaking of dumb uh i watched willie's wonderland uh directed by kevin lewis starring one nicholas cage in a completely silent performance uh, really? As a man driving a Camaro whose car is basically totaled and he has to take it into a shop in order to pay uh, the repairs back, uh, he works in this backwaters town um, sort of Chuck E. Cheese place that's haunted by uh, the animatronic characters. And essentially it turns into almost like a video game where like 
which there is a game called Five Nights at, at Freddy's. Freddy's which yes, is yes. Like, which, yeah. but even though um, I was I was looking at the IMDb trivia, uh, this is not an adaptation of that, nor is it referencing specifically the Banana Splits, which there was a movie um, that took a horror sort of twist on the Banana Splits a few years ago that does the same kind of thing. Um, it's like a Chuck E. Cheese that he goes into. Yeah, right? yeah. So he's locked into this Chuck E. Cheese backwater sort of kids entertainment um sort of place and uh the idea is that he you know spends the night there cleans up the place and his car will be repaired and given back to him in the morning um and you know after every break that he takes um he goes to the uh uh sort of the the break room lunch room grabs a pop plays the pinball machine uh his watch beeps he goes back to work and then during his work he has to fight one of the animatronic creatures uh and then beats the living shit out of them and destroys them and puts them in a garbage bra- uh, bag and then takes another break uh and <laughs> that's the best part of the movie there's more film in this where you have a bunch of kids that are also trying to destroy this kid's play place and that stuff is really boring none of the kids are that interesting um nicholas cage is again completely silent through the whole movie he's just a series of grunts and stares and just beating people up and you kind of love it for that um but the movie itself is pretty cheap and ugly looking um although i'm not against the concept i think the con the concept itself is fine um like you mentioned with five nights at freddy's and i'm and, sure we'll get that into a movie right and that's kind of what it, it is and that stuff works the best like i even like when he's drinking this like no-name brand of pop um that he's always like guzzling down soda for americans yeah um it's just it's <laughs> nick cage has just become this like i mean obviously he, he he gave one of his best performances this year in pig which you can go and listen to our review of that um but watching him in this, I still kind of got something out of it than, say, watching Bruce Willis in Co- Cosmic Sins. Um, right. it, it was a lot of fun just watching Nick Cage be like, okay, I'm going to give a performance here, but I'm I'm going to have no dialogue. And I'm just going to literally beat the shit out of animatronic characters. Yeah. And like that's the selling point of the film. Um, other than that, it's not really that interesting. But the concept, again, like – Maybe if we get a could a, be fun, yeah. yeah. And Adam Rifkin is an executive producer, and for people that don't know who Adam Rifkin is, he directed Detroit Rock City and has done a lot of kind of like B movies in the past, and it kind of tracks with that. So you know, at least Nicolas Cage is still trying, even when making like these bad sort of B movies to pay off, you know, past loans and things like that. Uh, a movie that was completely terrible, and I think is the worst film of the year I've seen so far. Uh, and I apologize to Space Jam: uh, A New Legacy for <laughs> dump for dunking on that wow, film is Tom yeah. and Jerry. Uh, Tom and oh, Jerry. Oh, you watched it. <laughs> oh, it is brutal, Matt. Like, Why? It, it, it is what well, it was on uh, Crave in, yeah. in Canada. So I was just And like, you just had to? You I was just curious. To. I was curious because again, like I have no affinity for Tom and Jerry with the exception of really Itchy either. and Scratchy. Yeah. You know, the Simpsons kind of joke parody were they version before of our time? They were. They were. Yeah. And they never really kind of landed the way that the Looney Tunes did or were able to adapt. And like. And they're not 
not part of that family, right? No, I don't no? think like, so, unless there was some crossover at some point. Because you had point, Tweety which, Bird and Sylvester, which yeah. were kind of like... Yeah, or even Roadrunner and, and Coyote yeah. are, are similar in terms of like the idea of a, a mouse and a cat, like just completely you know, at odds with each other, you know, the best of enemies, worst of friends, like that's the joke. And they create this kind of narrative where uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is oh, right, this kind yeah. of um, sort of up and coming hotel, hotel person. person. Well, yeah. she, she, she kind of scams her con artists her way into working at this hotel and has a rivalry with Michael Pena's character, who is one of the only kind of, redeeming things in the entire film when he delivers his line about the you know kids being on ticky talk and things like that it's just it's matt it's so bad and then making it worse like the whole like narrative is based around this kind of like celebrity couple wedding at this hotel uh the groom is played by colin jost who is just completely void of any charisma or yeah. likability <laughs> whatsoever um it, Matt, it was it was truly terrible. It made Space Jam a new legacy look like Citizen a Kane. Masterpiece. It's yeah. so bad. Matt, it is so, okay. so bad. The animation style too, like it's because are they in 3D or what it, are they? Like? It, I no, it's it's like they're 2D drawings. It almost looks like they were done in like a Snapchat filter. Like that's how bad okay. it is. Like it's almost like, okay, we shot this scene and let's like add these characters in post-production or like do can we put like a Snapchat filter on, you know, these camera lenses and include these characters walking around and interacting with other people? Um and like the logic of it as well doesn't make any sense because the anything that like any animal in this movie is animated. So like you have this bulldog that is also an enemy of of Tom. And um, he's voiced by Bobby Cannavale. And you're just like, yep, that tracks. That tracks perfectly. Um, yeah, so it's 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 horrible. I don't recommend it to anyone ever. I don't know why it even exists. I don't know who that yeah, film is like, for. Yeah, like, do people even care? Like, that Tom and Jerry aren't a draw. No. Because, <laughs> like, no kids going, oh, shit, there's a new Tom and Jerry movie, man. We got to watch this. From the director of the Fantastic Four uh, movies, Tim Story. And, like, that's the, uh, the only other interesting thing is that there's a lot of sort of um, 90s hip hop songs that are remixed into the soundtrack that I th- thought was maybe the most interesting thing in terms of a, a choice being made. But other right. than that, it's just, yeah, it just doesn't really make any sense to be in existence. Um, speaking of existence, the last movie that I want to talk about that we're not, cause we're not doing a review for it, I guess, um, is a film that we were supposed to see uh, last year at Cinus. Fest, but our uh, screener link expired because it was, it was smaller right. window. Nine uh, days. was nine days. Yeah. And so nine days is a movie where it's been getting a lot of buzz and everybody that's been talking about it for the most part really, really loves the movie. It's directed by uh, Edison Oda um, and it stars Winston Duke as a sensitive soul. It's essentially it's basically like I, I'm sure somebody's already said this, but it's almost like a live action version of soul where you have okay. Winston Duke playing, as I already mentioned, a sensitive soul um, named uh, Will, who is basically tasked with picking a soul to be born on Earth after uh, the loss of one of his other souls that was born and has now died uh, tragically. Um, and so it's his job to select a new soul to replace the one that is gone. And so it's basically nine days of him interviewing and talking to potential candidates, other souls that haven't been born yet, um, that are 
convincing him or, or, or not necessarily trying to win him over because there are no wrong or right answers, but having conversations and sort of reacting to certain scenarios that will present. So you have people like Zazie Beats and Bill Skarsgård and Tony Hale all coming to this kind of house in the middle of a desert. Most of the movie was shot in Utah with some POV sequences shot in Brazil and in LA as well. Um, it reminded me weirdly of a mid nineties Sundance indie film. If it were directed by Vim vendors or Adam Agoyan, there's a lot of antiquated technology. So the idea that, Will is watching the souls that he has picked in the past living their lives on Earth through these sort of tube TVs and recording them on VHS tapes and sort of filing certain aspects of those souls' lives uh, as, you know, a day-to-day thing. And then he has kind of an advisor played by Benedict Wong, who's never been born. Uh, We learn that Will has been born at one point and has had experience on Earth where uh, Wong's character... Uh, Kyo has just never been born, but he's still an advisor. So some of the rules of this world don't always kind of play out or aren't completely explored. Like the idea of like what, why a soul disappears and why one can stay on is sort of, again, a consultant. Um, it is getting a very strong response. And there are moments I think that work or are insightful, but it kind of borders on, being philosophical, but also kind of very precious and thinking that it's kind of more insightful than it actually is and sort of explaining the human condition and sort of being sensitive to what the world is now and what you have to be in order to live. Um, I just, yeah, again, like, I think it's fine. I just wasn't blown away by it. I wanted to, I really wanted to like it. I think Winston Duke is very good in the movie and sort of playing against sort of the action roles that he's been known for in both, you know, Black Panther and Spencer Confidential and things like that. And and it is a more sort of uh, contemplative, uh, thoughtful performance than the stuff that he has done prior. But it it does have, it does stink of this kind of mid nineties indie film that thinks it's better than it actually is. in that kind of pretentious precious kind of way where it's like the, the movie we're making is so special that it speaks to the human condition where it's kind of like, yeah, I get what you're doing, but I felt Pixar's soul kind of also did the same thing and did it maybe even better and not saying that like there, there can't be one movie that is a high concept drama about, you know, what a soul is and what it means to be human. Um, It just kind of felt like this didn't speak to me the way that soul did. That's fair. Yeah. Cool. I I think I might catch up with it eventually. It's definitely worth seeing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think there are aspects of it that are good. It's just, I feel like some of the world building isn't really that well defined in any way. And a lot of sort of, um, the visuals, whether they be again, antiquated technology or sort of like some of the, the emotional moments or the, the moments of revelation throughout kind of feel like they should be hitting harder than they are. Or they're trying too hard to yeah. kind of get you to that place of, you know, breaking down or, or feeling that empathy for a character. It just never really got there for me, but it's working for a lot of people. So, you know, like if you, if you're interested by the idea, um, this yeah, new I age indie am, so film. Yeah. 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 I'll check it out. 
Uh, cool. Anything else you want to move on to some we'll move trailers? On. All right. Lots of trailers. Cause Eric, uh, I do want to get your thoughts on a couple things. Tim and I talked about a few of these last week, uh, but we have a lot of stuff over the last kind of week, week, two weeks or so. So, uh, I'm just going to list everything and we can just kind of whatever we want to talk about. We don't have to go through beat by beat, but, uh, we got new trailers for Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, House of Gucci, The Card Counter, King Richard, Cry Macho, Cop Shop, Lamb, Cobra Kai 4, Kate, Stranger Things 4, Dexter, New Blood, Why the Last Man. And there was like a weird, not leaked because it aired on TV, but there was a TV spot for Don't Look Up. Um, which is the Netflix film um, by Adam McKay, bad Adam McKay yeah. cast that uh, is led yeah. by Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, thank you, Eric. Uh, which still hasn't been released online, so it only aired during the Olympics on NBC, and they still haven't put up that teaser or a full trailer yet. So it was weird because there's only this like cam version of someone like recording there. Uh, their screen um, of it. And as I lost Eric, which I'm sure he'll come back in a second, but it, it's very interesting because I, I think he's back. Yeah, I'm no. back. Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Weird. What happened to Eric? Hopefully he comes back. Um, so yeah, it aired during the Olympics and um, which with a completely different tone than I was expecting. Um, it looks more, I, I like, I mean, Adam McKay's more prestigious stuff that he's done over the last couple films. Um, it definitely has that cast, but this feels more weirdly a comedy, uh, like an Anchorman mixed in with one of those prestigious films, and it has a disaster element to it, and Meryl Streep's in it, and it's just Eric, you're back. Yes, uh, I was I back just a second, a second ago as well. I don't know then, if you'll have to check in post because I did say I I can I can hear you. Uh, no, I didn't get that. So okay. you probably it, it didn't show up, but you're back now. So I, yes. I was saying that don't look up weirdly this this TV spot, very short, but it, ha- it features Leonardo DiCaprio heavy breathing uh, as he's prepping to meet the president, um, and then very loud as you get like the cast, which is in this insane cast of names of people, and then you have Leo um, with Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, her, whatever her character's name is, um, meeting the president of the United States, who is Jonah Hill. Is it Jonah and Hill or is it Meryl Streep? I thought Jonah Hill was the president, or is he one of the advisors? He might be one of the advisors okay, or the vice president. Up. Yeah, maybe. Um, because it would, th- it would almost seem like Meryl Streep. They would Adam McKay would make Meryl Streep the president. Either way, um, I'm going to look at this now. So you have Jonah Hill as, oh, sorry. Yes, you are correct, Eric. Thank you. Uh, as Jason Orlean, President Orlean's son and chief of staff. So I'm assuming you are right. We're talking about nepotism. Uh, yes. Meryl Streep as President uh, Janie Orlean. Yeah, you are correct. Sorry. Uh, just the way that the scene is set up, because he's talking to Jonah Hill uh, and Meryl Streep just has like a thumbs up kind of moment or so, I think yeah. or something. And this tone, I don't know if you felt the same way. And I was kind of mentioning it. It was not what I was expecting from this movie at all. Um, and it's leaning to me, like I was saying, his more prestigious stuff, which had comedic elements in it. And obviously um, you could see a lot of his comedic background in that stuff. But this to me with the disaster element, um, and the social commentary part, I guess, is where you're going to get the more prestigious side of things, but like felt more comedic than I was expecting. Like it seems almost 
more of like the anchor man uh, Adam McKay than I was expecting to get out of this. And I'm kind of into it. It's this weird tone that I wasn't expecting. Right. Well, I mean, we did just talk about, you know, um, not that you watched it, but having uh, that as a, a potential choice to watch something dumb uh, being deep impact. Yeah. And it almost kind of feels like it's going for that as well as being an all-star cast, because I mean, back in the seventies when disaster movies were, were, you know, quite sort of frequent. Um, and even in the, in the, in the late nineties, when we got a lot of disaster movies, like a revival of them in, in a way with, you know, films like volcano and Armageddon and deep impact and, um, you know, things like that, you know, the, the idea was, okay, you had like an all-star cast or even Poseidon adventure in the seventies, um, or even the remake in 2006, uh, you, you had, you know, this all-star cast still being in a serious situation or they treated it seriously where now you have an all-star cast in what almost seems like a comical version. I just hope that it's better than something like, uh, how it ends, which we saw, uh, back at Sundance earlier this yeah. year, which also kind of seems to have a similar premise where, you know, it's the end of the world or coming close to the end of the world. And instead of people, you know, these two characters in, in the McKay movie trying to advise people on what to do or how to approach the situation. Everybody's kind of already given up and that the world is coming to an end. So they're giving into their hedonistic kind of, um, sort of side and also basically reconnecting with, um, their, their childhood in a very literal way when their, their younger personas are, are being projected or, or coming into fruition. So with this, like you said, um, you know, McKay has brought, some of that kind of the other guys, Anchorman, stepbrothers humor into Vice and even, you know, with with uh, the big short. But here it almost feels like this is closer to those earlier McKay movies or the comedic side, just with bigger name actors or actors that have been in, quote unquote, serious fare. Yeah, because, you know, DiCaprio for the most part, not always, but I mean, we saw a more comedic side of DiCaprio in Once Upon Wolf. a Time in Hollywood. And Wolf of Wall Street, I would Wolf say. Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, as well. But I mean, with with Wolf of Wall Street specifically, it wasn't making fun of him. Yeah. Where yeah, like yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like there is this weird sort of meta casting quality to that performance where it's almost like, you know, the the down and out actor who has passed his prime where it like almost felt like that was intentionally poking fun at DiCaprio a little bit. And DiCaprio was willing to go with it because he's working with a filmmaker like Dica like Tarantino. And I almost feel like we're getting a little bit of that here where we're getting this guy who is good at his job, but at the same time has serious anxiety to yeah. the point where that is sort of overshadowing the message that he's trying to deliver, um, which I think is kind of funny. And I guess that kind of Adam McKay kind of way that it's like, it's almost looking at like, you know, Will Ferrell being a chick magnet and the other guys and Mark Wahlberg, just not understanding that or something <laughs> yeah, like that, yeah. you know? And, and, and so it will be interesting to see if, if he'll be able to balance the two of sort of like the environmental sort of global warming tone that I'm sure is going to be a part of yeah. the story. But on top of that, bringing the comedic elements because it has worked for him in the past, but McKay's also really riding a high right now with being sort of an executive producer on succession. So I wonder if he'll take any notes from having worked on that and bring that into this, because this seems almost like something that was kind of 
the concept was written on the spot. Like it doesn't seem like it was something he was necessarily working on for a period of time. Like he was actually working on um, an Elizabeth Holmes um, biopic, uh, the the woman who is known for uh, creating those uh, bogus blood kits. Okay. If you remember uh, her, where um, there's now a mini series with her coming out. Um, with uh, uh, Amanda Seyfried uh, in the lead role um, that's on Hulu. But oh, before right, that, him right, and Jennifer right, Lawrence right. were working on a film. Uh, I think it was called Bad Blood, actually. Um, and it might still be something he's developing. But like I remember he was talking about doing that after Vice. Um, so it, it almost feels like this is very high concept, with yeah. the exception of like having an all-star cast. And then again, like I think a lot of these people that are in this movie will only have... Like a scene or two. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I just, when I saw this trailer, I was like, that is not what I expected from this, but I'm kind of into it. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And I think both of, we both like McKay's previous two films that kind of skewed more in that prestigious territory. But like, I liked Vice quite a bit and I liked The Big Short. Um, but I really like his comedies. So more. do I. And his That's comedies why are I, films that, like, when you, when you watch them the first time, you sometimes don't love them, but I find that they are very rewatchable or you like them more that when, when you think about them or when you revisit them, like the other guys is one of those movies and even stepbrothers where like having revisited them over the years, I've, I've come to appreciate them even more. I agree completely. So if we get more of that in this and it leans more on that side of things, just with actors, you wouldn't expect to be in a movie like that. Um, I'm all for it. <laughs> like I, I, and then still have that kind of social commentary on the environmentalism, global warming thing that you're talking about, I think could be, um, it could be dynamite. So who knows, but it's so interesting that this aired during the Olympics and Netflix has, it's almost like it aired by accident and like, it's like, Oh, we aired that, but we weren't supposed to. Um, but you know, is it coming this year? Yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be either November or December. Yeah. Netflix hasn't confirmed when, but it's supposed to be their big awards contender this right. year. Yeah. I think they're also looking at, um, the Jane Campion movie, uh, the power of the dog also, because if you, if you, I mean, we'll talk about this more when we get into the festival stuff, but the power of the dog is playing every, for the most part, every fall festival. And that's yeah. very similar to nomad land last yeah. year. Yeah. 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 Uh, from the other trailers, uh, what did you want to jump into first? So we got ghostbusters, venom, Gucci card counter, King Richard, Cry Macho, Cop Shop, Lamb, and then a bunch of TV stuff. Well, I think we have to talk about uh, uh, Sir Ridley Scott talking about another all-star cast. Yeah. And I did Leto. talk about it a little bit last week with Tim. Tim hadn't seen the trailer yet, but he said he heard people making fun of the accents or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's – yeah, you go into it. I already kind of gave my thoughts last week. Yeah, I mean like uh, watching this and and also having you know recently watched the trailer for um, The Last Duel, which is going to be interesting. We're getting two Ridley Scott movies within two months, so October, November. Um, I am still always in awe of him you know, making movies the way that he does in almost kind of an assembly line way and thinking that the guy is 83 now and he's already working on his Napoleon film with uh, Joaquin Phoenix is just, again, like all the power to him. And, and you know, we'll probably be lucky to get, you know, another 
decade of films from him if we're lucky you know like i mean mm-hmm. obviously i mean we should just bundle this up with clint, clint eastwood's cry macho i mean that guy yeah. is in his early 90s still pumping them out still every- pumping them out and and you know like a lot of clint eastwood's movies in the latter part of his career in the last 10 years have not been great where at least ridley you know for every kind of forgettable or disposable film he still is able to remind people with something like the martian um that he is but that was what five six years ago now or yeah but i mean that's still that's still, still not nothing recent yeah. yeah yeah and like in terms of an older filmmaker kind of showing that he still has the skill set that made him you know he was still a, in his late 70s when filmmaker. he made that yeah. yeah i mean like I, I i i would love to make a movie like that at any age and i'm sure any filmmaker would love to have that opportunity but let alone somebody in their 70s making that film um is is quite incredible um but looking at cry macho and um you know house of gucci you re- you have to respect those guys for trying still and whether or not it works it's always just interesting to see like okay well it's on to the next one i don't know if eastwood has that many more at this point in him i mean they've already got to the point where they are starting to photoshop him or like you know use sort Airbrush of a airbrush and yeah. uh, effects wise this almost seems like a like a last movie to me like from yeah. the trailer but like then even... again the mule was that as well yeah. right but i i do think that this is at least on screen this is probably his last yeah. movie because w- it seems like that dealing with the you know kind of you know the persona he's portrayed for so many years right and talking about as you get older and you don't have to be macho anymore kind of thing like you don't uh, have to prove it to yeah. be it you just have to walk yeah. the walk not talk exactly the talk. yeah like I, it almost seems like a curtain call kind of like last hurrah kind of thing of like robert redford in uh the old, old man, man and the, the gun yeah and uh, that's how that's the vibe i get from the cry macho trailer that it almost seems like you know what clint you can you can relax now man like you can just chill <laughs> like yeah enjoy the uh, the final days not final days but like hopefully well, yeah no I, I would say like the final yeah. years that he has I mean, yeah he is what in his early 90s now at yeah. this point and it's kind of like that's a long fantastic life who very successful one of the most famous movie stars of all time and directors like i think like who knows the quality of cry macho but from the vibe of the trailer i'm like this seems like a good one to go out on let's maybe just chill enjoy retirement (laughs) right because i mean that he was saying that with gran torino as well right like gran torino was going to be his last on-screen performance and then it was like oh you know what i'll throw my you know uh producer robert lorenz uh, a bone and be in trouble with the curve and then he was like no you know what i'll come back again for the mule because i'll have a threesome in that and and be completely (laughs) offensive to every ethnic group and you know and that's what i worry about in this this movie too more threesomes yeah Oh, God. Um, and yeah, I, I'm with you with House of Gucci, which Ridley are we going to get? And I think that's the biggest question. And I, I, I do. I, it seems like a bunch of rich people playing dress up, doing bad accents. But yeah, um, even though we're getting two Ridley Scott movies with Adam Driver, um, it, it would yeah. seem like it would be a bigger deal. But it's weird because like both of those movies, especially House of Gucci, like House of Gucci, like you mentioned, the, you know, movie stars dress, playing dress up and, and it seems campy and i'm like maybe that's the vibe you're going for but i don't know yeah i i 
kind of think that there maybe is a little bit of that in there because like Ridley Scott's never been sort of against camp. Like he always loves, like he talked about like part of the reason why he cast Tim Curry in legend was because he was such a huge fan of the Rocky horror picture show. Mm -hmm. And he knew that he could bring the camp in that where I think that there is going to be a kind of a humorous quality to it. I think the thing that kind of turns me off a little bit with house of Gucci is some of the augmented CGI landscapes in the cinematography. I like Darius Wolski um, Mm -hmm. a lot as a cinematographer, but this kind of looks a little bit too, sort of tinkered with in post-production and i know that house of gucci was a quicker shoot than than the last duel but like it just looks a little bit uglier and i almost feel that like house of gucci should be very elegant and pristine looking where this kind of looks very flat i agree with you completely uh with ghostbusters and venom i think venom looks terrible and i don't need to talk about it anymore Uh, i liked the ghostbusters trailer i talked about it with tim last week but i do understand people's uh hesitation with um not really showing the comedic side of the movie if there's going to be one and kind of um you know, the trend or the fad of taking, you know, the legacy sequel and making it have this, you know, miss not mystic quality, but this like, you know, what Star what Force Awakens did, what Jurassic World did. The legacy sequel. Yeah, like it it has the same vibe as both of those trailers and and, and movies, obviously, right? And like, kind of the legend of it all, right? Like where in that universe, there might not have necessarily been one, but you're creating it because of the meta nature of how people revere a certain franchise and things like well, that. Well, it's all nostalgia, but, right? Like uh, it it's, is it's, nostalgia. It's like yeah, we, yeah. I've talked about this on the show before, and we have talked about this before. It's like it's like forced legacy. It's <laughs> it's not the forced legacy. It's forced yeah. legacy in the sense of like you look at the Terminator movies, right? Like each right. of those yeah. sequels, it's like there's a mythology or a mythology is a perfect word that you're kind of creating that wasn't that's not there i mean these movies were made because like yeah they're fun and they 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 had a life of their own after the film i would say the best life that ghostbusters had was with the real ghostbusters the the animated Mm -hmm. series like i think that that's the thing that all that weirdly kind of kept ghostbusters going even past um, you know, Ghostbusters 2 because of the, that series running in syndication and continually kind of playing. And, and, and I think that's the best you're going to get with sort of, you know, a continuation of those characters in that world. And there's nothing wrong with doing like, you know, an animated series of a popular show, even if it's weird, again, also doing like a PG-13 or R-rated series that's not necessarily made for yeah. kids, but still advertised for kids, like in the way that Rambo was or RoboCop or things like that. Um, but I feel like the real Ghostbusters is the reason why both, you know, the the reboot that didn't work, the Paul Feig one, and now with this, because those two films were were popular at a time where, you know, practical effects and sort of, you know, Bill Murray becoming a movie star were big factors. Now, as as you mentioned, you have this idea of like uh, a mytholo- a mythology and mythological nostalgia. Um, it's the this- Stranger Things effect too, right? Like yeah. I feel like even having you know, uh, uh, what's his name, Wolfgang. Um, no, what's the what's the kid's name from Stranger Things? Oh, why um, am I blanking? I'm blanking on it. Uh, um, Finn Wolfhard. Wolfhard. <laughs> That's what it is. I was Wolfgang? trying to think of. <laughs> To Tim Wolfgang. Wolf. Yeah. It's got Tim Wolfgang in it. I, but I mean, having Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd gives me hope. And like, I like the small town vibe and I like the vibe of the trailer. Like I was into it, even though it does feel like it's 
going for that Jurassic World forced legacy thing. And, you know, I'm the biggest Jurassic Park fan, like, but Jurassic World in hindsight, you know, my nostalgia goggles on during that movie made me enjoy it more than, you know, what the quality of that movie actually was. And I think Jurassic World is perfectly fine. I just don't think it's very good. Um, And I think I'm just, I'm hopeful for this, especially getting the entire cast, um, the surviving cast back and, and even Bill Murray being involved, even though he showed up in the Paul Feig version too. So uh, well, everybody like showed that, up in the like, Paul Feig yeah. version as well. But again, I just feel like I hate, I hate be- shitting on the Paul Feig one because I don't like the way that, that no, movie I agree. Was treated. Yeah, yeah. But I do feel like the Paul Feig one, like there, Did you ever it, watch the director's cut. No, I didn't. And I, and I, and I might watch it before um, yeah. the, the release I of heard Afterlife. From people, some people like it. There's like a musical number. In yeah. It well, in, like in the theatrical cut, they, they kind of like, they completely cut that out, but there is a moment where they're arriving to like the final location where everybody is like posed in a way like they've just completed a musical number. And it's kind of like, that was really weird um, that that happened. So, but I, but it's, it's strange because that movie kind of didn't feel completely thought out. And again, not that it had to be, but like, I think some of the, the best stuff in those Ghostbuster movies in terms of the minutia is just the simplicity of, okay, you know, you, you create these proton packs, you have the ghost trap and it's trapping ghosts. Like that's literally the best stuff. And then also you have some good sort of character development and comedic performances with sort of the camaraderie with the, the, the four leads, you know, the, the, the Paul Feig one kind of got lost in just making it about sort of the four characters and maybe not incorporating like, you know, the the catching of ghosts and all that too much and like it just kind of didn't really get into the minutia of what was already built and it kind of mm-hmm. it almost feels like now if they were to continue after this that this would like that version would be a multiverse version of oh, Ghostbusters absolutely. because yeah. I even think that they were thinking about that at at, at some well, remember point. they created the whole studio right and they were going to do a whole Ghostbusters universe of stuff weren't they but like yeah. they kind of pulled the brake break on that and like now went into this legacy sequel and with Reitman's son doing it with Jason doing it and like it should be called son of Ghostbusters yeah I'm holding out hope and I'm still looking forward to it but I agree with you that that last the Paul Feig one gets shit on way too much it's not as bad as everyone said it was perfectly fine and um I just think it's choppy I think that like I would be again I have it not having seen the director's cut, but I yeah. I have a feeling that the director's cut is the better version. Yeah, I've heard that too. And uh, I know it's like close to two and a half hours, I think, though, isn't it? The director's yeah. cut or God damn it, Paul Feig and Judd Apatow, man. Yeah, like, I need to, <laughs> yeah. You need to cool down. <laughs> Come um, on. <laughs> and uh going into some other stuff, uh the card counter, I was very disappointed with. I thought this looks more like um kind of uh, the pre uh first reformed um uh, uh Paul, Schrader. Paul Schrader then you know the first reformed Paul Schrader I, I thought it looked ugly uh and awkward and, and it had a VOD quality to it uh to me with good actors um uh it really kind of sucked the excitement out for card counter for me because like i was really looking forward to it but after seeing that trailer i'm like woof i do not 
think this looks good. Well, I think the part that specifically, like, I know you didn't like even sort of the, the present day stuff, but I think what a lot of people are talking about is sort of the uh, fish eye lens, black and white uh, flashback sequences that reveal uh, Oscar Isaac's character's military history specifically and sort of almost like, a, um, you know, uh, what, are the, what what's the, why am I forgetting the name of, of the uh, place in Cuba? Um, Guantanamo Bay. Guantanamo Bay kind of thing where it's like, you know, American soldiers treating their prisoners uh, yeah. horribly and sort of, you know, having to uh, reconcile with that and also, you know, seeking revenge. Um, and and I'm not giving the movie any excuses, but I and I don't know for a fact that those scenes were shot then, but the card counter, the the production of the film was interrupted because of covid and i remember paul schrader was saying at one point when he was not on facebook or any other social media being a complete asshole which he is and can be um not you know making any excuses for that either but he was saying that um the he wasn't sure that the production was going to be completed and that they had mm-hmm. only shot about i think it was like 75 to 80 percent of the film and that he was sort of toying with the idea of doing animated sequences for the rest of the movie so right. i wonder if that was the compromise there where um you know I don't know if Focus Features had bought the film at that point, but whoever the other, like Hanaway Films, uh, the European production company, maybe they're like, okay, well, we don't want to do animated sequences, but if we do these sort of like gritty, ugly looking sort of, you know, flashbacks shot in a way that almost looks like GoPro cameras, you know, maybe that was them convincing him to shoot that stuff. Or maybe, th- maybe that's not the stuff that was shot yeah. uh, with it, but, but it, it Looking at that, it almost reads that way from the trailer. Then thinking like, okay, that's where maybe they had to make some cuts. But there, I do agree with you as well that some of the 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 sort of present Las Vegas stuff just looks so generic. Really. Yeah, but again, you look at some of the, the 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 marketing materials for even First Reformed, it doesn't necessarily look the greatest. Yeah, but A twenty four, I think, did a good job. I, I don't know, marketing that a little bit more. I don't know. But. I don't. But but that's the thing though. With like, but that's the thing that bothers me with A twenty four as well. It's like it's like everybody has to hold up a certain uh uh pedestal to A twenty four being oh they're the best company that markets movies. They're not all the time. Like they do a great job. They know how to sure, sell yeah, their yeah. stuff to people and be deceptive in some ways <laughs> to trick them yeah, yeah, yeah um but they're not like the way we've talked about this as well the way that they released you know under the silver lake they did yeah, that yeah. movie completely dirty no, i i love a24 but i agree that they don't always nail it yeah right where with this i feel like again I don't disagree with you. I think that it does almost look a little bit like dog eat dog, especially yeah. with like even Willem Dafoe being in this movie and looking similar to his character in dog eat dog. Um, but I still want to give this, the movie itself, the benefit of the doubt, because it's hard to sell a film where a character is literally writing a, a diary in a room and to yeah. sell that is, is quite difficult. Oh, I, I, don't get me wrong. I still want to see it. I'm holding out hope. I just don't think this trailer did it any, uh, justice. Yeah. Or favors. Like yeah. it, it made me want to see it less than want to see it more, which I so, don't disagree with. I was yeah. also disappointed by the trailer. I just feel that like, it's one of those trailers where it's like, it could just be like, they don't know how to market it yeah. either. Right. Like that, that's what I'm hoping is that they got this movie and they're just like, 
we need to kind of make this look generic if we're going to sell it con- to sell it to people. Like, but then again, you could um, be right. I mean, Paul Schrader at this point, like First Reform, could have been his truly his last hurrah. Like yeah. that could have been like the film that was like you know you should have you should have ended while you were ahead. Yeah, which I hope it's not. I hope this is great, but and I hope it's weirder than it looks or or more interesting than it looks. But um, this trailer, out of everything in this. Um, made me want to see the movie less yeah well it's so, playing it's premiering at venice, venice. and then so it'll we'll be have available an idea, in like a couple days after yeah. it'll be in theaters on september 10th yeah i thought it was the third because i thought it was right before tiff let me let me double check this right now because if it was the 10th or no maybe 10th is right as tiff is starting right yeah um i think it's the 10th yeah you're probably right the card counter yeah you're right it's the 10th my bad um and then King Richard uh, looks good. Um, you know, the the Williams sister's uh, father, um, played by Will Smith, um, going to be on HBO Max in the US and in theaters uh, through Warner Brothers, a biopic about the, the Williams father. Um, don't have much else to say other than, you know, Will Smith is a good actor and it looks good. Yeah, I mean, it looks like an awards film for yeah. Will Smith specifically. Absolutely. Uh, Cop Shop, you made me uh, watch, which I think <laughs> looks like a VOD Guy Ritchie movie. And then you told me it was Joe Carnahan, and that kind of made sense to me. Kind of tracks. Um, yeah, that kind of tracks. Uh, Lamb, talking about A24. Don't need to – I mean, just go watch that trailer or go in blind. Don't watch the trailer and just watch this movie. Just know that it, it adds um, to what film Twitter has already been talking yeah. about, the barnyard brigade of, of – cow. Yeah. First cow, second cow. Well, cow uh, was picked up by IFC yeah. and then pig is neon. But yeah, you get the idea. Barnyard animals are so Art hot House right now. Barnyard movies. <laughs> so uh, Lamb, I, I will tell you, I did not know that that's what that movie was about. But um, I'd suggest don't watch the trailer for Lamb and just if you like A24 movies or Art House Barnyard movies, then just go into Lamb blind. Comes out on October um, the 8th, my birthday. So I feel birthday like I'm going to do you. a double bill of Lamb and No Time to Die. Uh, Kate looks generic. Um, it looks like another John Wick, Wick riff. Yeah. Um, Biff, Whiff, Riff, What If. Uh, and then the uh, the TV stuff we have is Cobra Kai four and Stranger Things four, Dexter New Blood, and Why the Last Man. Dexter New Blood. <laughs> what a terrible name! What a terrible name for. It sounds like a bad um, last name. What, what's your name, Dexter uh, New Blood? Dexter <laughs> yeah. New Blood. They uh, give Jim Lindsay is his, show, his name in the show, I think, and Jeff Lindsay was the writer of the Dexter novels. Uh, Dexter New Blood. Uh, excited for uh, i you know they get a chance to you know do a make good for the horrible uh finale of dexter and the last couple seasons so um i don't know like i like that he's you know he's living his lumberjack life he's works at this it seems like weapons store in this small town and he's bounty um, the quicker picker upper um you don't get much of the story but a, a fun little tease of that story same with stranger things and cobra kai all three uh, Stranger Things and Cobra Kai especially almost seem like almost recap, just reminders that they're coming, uh, you know, this year and next year. 
uh, Cobra Kai being in December, they confirmed, and it was just basically an all Valley uh, karate tournament commercial with a little bit of new footage and then confirming that it is coming in December. Uh, so super pumped about that, that we're getting another season of that already. I guess technically two seasons in one year because the last one came out in January. And these were and the, then, these are the two seasons that are actually produced by Netflix specifically. Well, too. this is the first one totally produced by them. The last one they picked up from youtube when it transferred over so i think they'd already shot some of that season or all of it before they um picked it up so this is the first one i think that is fully netflix funded like it is a netflix show now um so i'm super pumped about that um confirming that it's december and then stranger things four very quick teaser kind of a recap of the series so far and then um confirming that it uh, will not be this year it will be 2022 and then there are theories out there being like the first the three seasons were 40 basically um they could all star in dear evan hansen now um basically uh, the theory out there is that it probably will be early january like new year's maybe even possibly because um the other three seasons were all tied to a toward a holiday so you had halloween you had christmas and you had fourth of july so they're thinking new, new year's year might be like it might drop on new year's day or at midnight or something like that which i think could be fun and because it's you know it's been shooting for a while and they've been working on it for a while i know they had to go back during the pandemic and do some stuff but um that wouldn't surprise me like they're saying 2022 but it could be january because we thought there was a you know, there's potential it could come this year, right? So, or it could be um, the Super Bowl. They could pull a Cloverfield paradox. I wouldn't be surprised at that either in February, right? So, um, that is also a possibility. So, you don't get much from either of those. And then, why the last man was an actual trailer, and we also got um, uh, an impeachment American crime story. So, two FX trailers. Uh, why the last man? Uh, I know people really love the comic. I was intrigued by this trailer. Kind of really dug it. And, and then, that's been in production um, forever, forever, right? Like and that was been supposed in and to out, be like a it's movie been developed as well. Yeah, development hell for a long time, and then they uh, finally are making it into a TV series. And I'm intrigued. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. And then for I'm intrigued. Impe- impeachment uh american crime story uh also very intrigued i really i finally got around to watching the oj simpson season and it's the only ryan murphy thing that i kind of like yeah um and i feel like it works with his you know um star-studded costume driven period dramas that are almost at 11 kind of thing and i'm i'm intrigued by uh i mean obviously growing up in the 90s the bill clinton scandal is is uh well it's the same thing uh, with oj right because they're both kind of pivotal historical moments in pop culture media in the 90s because then you look at versace and that i didn't watch that season i didn't either and no and and i think that that's where that sort of drop off was because they were also going to do um katrina, katrina. Hurricane, hurricane katrina and to yeah. me doing that that is, yeah, yeah that didn't make sense to me of like even though that that was a totally fucked up situation like the stuff that he covers i think needs to be at the bill clinton and oj simpson level kind of thing where of, it's I, almost even okay vers- to kind of not yeah make fun satirize of, of the but, pe- like not make yeah. uh, like I, i'm sure it's not what, satirizing it but yeah like, well it's, I, I think it will i think it will satirize like with impeachment clinton. clinton specifically because obviously the one thing that like a lot of revisionist history is now doing is looking back at that period and saying what we what people said and did 
to Monica Lewinsky was wrong, was horrible in terms of turning her into a, you know, late night punchline joke. And sort of what she went through was she she was the villain and she wasn't the villain. Like that was the whole thing. Like Bill Clinton was the one who should have been blamed for yes, his indiscretions. Yeah. And, you know, he was treated like, you know, the the bro after getting laid, you know, like he's he was completely and utterly like, yeah, there was the the whole thing about him getting impeached the way that like people are sort of mirroring that to, to Donald Trump in terms of like the Republicans wanting him out. But it wasn't a Republican or democratic thing. It was like this guy literally, you know, slept with an intern and then everybody (laughs) turned on the intern. Yeah. Like it's so bizarre that that's like, that's the way that people, thought you know at that point that that, that yeah. was okay yeah so uh that premieres september 7th and um kind of uh really really looking forward to that so you have like sarah paulson playing linda tripp uh beanie feldstein playing monica Lewinsky, clive owen playing bill clinton margot martindale as lucienne goldberg billy eichner as uh matt drudge uh, you also have Edie Falco as Hillary Clinton. Colby Smulders was announced as Ann Coulter. Who's, and, uh, who, uh, originally, it was um, going to be Betty Gilpin. Yes. Which kind of sucks she, because I kind of feel like Betty Gilpin would have crushed that role. Nothing against Colby Smulders, but. No, yeah. Um, but very much looking forward to this, and I will watch it week to week. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and that's trailers. You have anything about Dexter that you wanted to say, or were you a Dexter guy or no? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I yeah. was. I did like Dexter quite a bit when I was. I feel like there was this new kind of like interest at that point in serial killers, and yeah. that's kind of why that show is quite popular. And again, also the Miami setting and and things like that. And and Michael C. Hall. I was think kind there of- is a rumor that one of the characters is doing like a true crime pro- podcast on h- him. Right? Is that what? I'm sure that will be involved right. talking Frasier about Crane. murder murders being popular now. <laughs> I feel like, like Frazier Crane should do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. for his series. Um, yeah. I, this, I mean like the trailer does play heavy into like some of the, you know, blood on the snow imagery that I was just kind of like, eh, it's fine, I guess. Um, yeah. But I mean, like you said, if, if they can kind of maybe, redeem themselves after that last season uh where they really kind of just basically burnt down the entire show <laughs> you know right right um, right and, and i'm kind of curious to see how clancy brown will will play as a villain because he's always usually quite menacing uh in in the villain kind of role yeah um especially after people like john lithgow which i kind of feel like that should have been the last season i um, i it absolutely should have ended at that point but um it is what it is uh i i i loved that show the first three four seasons of it um but uh so i am i'm very intrigued to see how they're going to continue it but um that is that sorry i'm ordering uh i'm ordering food because nevis is going to grab food so let's get into um the news. So TIFF announcements, Eric. We yes. got so TIFF Talk 2021. Uh big news on Midnight our side. Madness edition. I don't think we've really talked about it. We might have mentioned it on one show, but uh we are accredited officially for the 2021 uh Toronto International Film Festival. Yay! Thank you. We TIFF. did it. Um Jeffrey very excited. Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> Cameron Bailey. Um, so yeah, we're accredited. So we will be covering the entire festival, um, uh, a little bit in person, a little bit at home. Uh, so it'll be kind of, we're really going to embrace that hybrid format that they've done the last couple of years, but we did get a few more announcements, uh, since the last time, uh, we talked and I didn't want to open Safari. Oops. I'm on Chrome right now. So we got the discovery program, uh, was announced, uh, as well as contemporary world cinema, as well as midnight madness. So, uh, Eric, where did you want to start? Let's start with T10. Okay. Midnight Madness. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, the Midnight Madness uh, program came out. I'm going to open that press release. Sorry. Give me two seconds. I had the discovery one. Uh, so Tiff Docs, Midnight Madness, and Wavelengths were announced this past uh, week. So on the uh, Midnight Madness uh, side of things, yes, we are getting the Palm Door winning T10 as the Midnight Madness opening film, uh, which is awesome. We're also getting After Blue, Dirty Paradise. Uh, we're getting Dash. Which is an amazing title, by yeah. the way, because as soon as I heard Midnight Blue, I was like, oh, that sounds like Baby Blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Baby Blue too, baby. Uh, Dash Cam, which is from Rob Savage, who did Host uh, last year. Uh, Saloom, uh, You Are Not My Mother, uh, and Zalava. So there is six films in the Midnight Madness program. Peter obviously programmed a couple other things in other programs, but so double the amount of last year because we only had three. Um, we're getting six this year. Uh, Eric, your thoughts on the lineup? I again, I don't know much about the other movies other than T10, but uh, I'm I'm super pumped to see T10 there. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same category. I know that there is a, a an Irish film that I'm kind of yeah. curious about. Um, but Which is the You Are Not My Mother. Yeah. So, you know, like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's 50-50 for the most part, but it's just kind of fun including some genre stuff within sort of, you know, the more traditional uh, awards bait fair or the serious drama to kind of help break that up and just have some fun uh, with with what's there. Like the... the, the um, uh, I'm going to just call it baby blue again. Uh, but that movie that uh, Peter posted a quick kind of like teaser of that. And it almost looked like a guy Madden movie, like the forbidden room or something like that, or, or um, a little bit, even like uh, the 20th century. Um, cool. So I'm, I'm kind of down for that. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I'm totally with you there. And then um, on the docs side of thing, things we got uh, the opening night film for docs is Attica. Uh, we also got Biba, uh, Becoming Cousteau, Burning, uh, Kamala, uh, The Devil's Drivers, uh, Flea, which we have reviewed. So you guys can check out that review uh, from Sundance um, if you guys already want a review of Flea. Uh, hold your. We already got a head start, Eric. Yep. Which is good. Uh, hold Your Fire, Listening to Kenny G, Oscar Peterson, Black and White, The Rescue, Three minutes, a lengthening, and uh, Wuchigi Io, end of the piece. Uh, so those are the docs. Eric, you're the doc guy. Did any of this stand out? To yeah, you? I mean, I think the thing, the one that's going to probably be um, the most quote unquote commercial of those is going to be the rescue because it's from the directors of Free Solo, and it's okay. about the uh, the Thai cave rescue, um, and uh, like if it's anything like free solo in terms of 
that kind of visceral quality. I feel like that would be a great movie to see on a big screen if possible in terms of cool. like the footage that they they're working with and, and, and what they had to do. And just also, again, you know, we're getting that Ron Howard Thai cave rescue movie next year oh, from God, Netflix. Yeah. And, and I feel like after watching this, which I think is a, it was already bought by a national geographic or was um, sort of made in house um, is going to be one of those movies that, that'll do quite well. Um, the Kenny G one, I think is going to be fascinating as well. Just in that, like, you know, you hear his name and you kind of already have your opinion on who he is. Like you either quote unquote revere him or, uh, think that he's a joke. Um, I think for the most part, most people think he's a joke. Um, but I really do like Penny Lane, uh, the director, and she usually has an interesting kind of take on sort of subject matter that you would kind of think is a little bit, you know, off the beaten trail or stuff that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, expect the unexpected, uh, especially with something like that. So that could also be, uh, kind of fun and, and playful, but in terms of stuff that, that we can recommend, I, I, especially on, on my end, I, I think flea is definitely exciting to see that neon is bringing it back into, uh, the awards conversation with the fall festival lineup. And, you know, we'll be talking about also, I guess, jockey and the special presentation stuff as well that we've yeah. seen with Clifton Collins jr. So it is kind of fun to think like, Oh, okay. We already do have a bit of a, a head start on this. Yeah, no, it's nice that we got a couple of them that we can just kind of tick off and say are TIFF movies, even though we saw them in January. So, um, and then talking about wavelengths, uh, I, I doubt we'll have, we won't know any of these, I, I am assuming, but no. um, Futura, The Girl and the Spider, Neptune Frost, which is the opening night film for wavelengths, A Night of Knowing Nothing, uh, I think this is Saint Anne. Uh, the Suga Diaries, uh, The Capacity for Adequate Anger, uh, Dear Chantel, Earth, 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 um, Inner Outer Space, uh, Polysyphily in D, The Red Filter is Withdrawn, um, Train Again. And then uh, that is your um, wavelengths. Anything there, Eric, or no? I haven't really. I, I have heard a little bit on uh, the girl and the spider from some people. Not that it's good or bad, just that, you know, it's something that I think either it's playing Locarno or another festival or it has played a festival already, but that's the only one I'm sort of familiar with in just the title. Yeah, cool. And then. Um, in uh sorry i'm going down to the new special presentations that were added uh this past week we have uh ahead's knee uh the box france and where is Anne frank uh, so these so are, are so these are can titles too a lot of them okay cool. so ahead's uh knee uh where is Anne frank um and there was one other one uh as well that th- these are films that played in competition or out of competition at can Cool. And then for contemporary contemporary world cinema, we have Seven Prisoners, Compartment Number Six, The Gravedigger's Wife, Jockey, which we have reviewed, so you guys can go check that out already. Uh, Small Body and True Things. So uh, Seven Prisoners was picked up by Netflix, and uh, Compartment Number Five is it, or Number Four? Yeah. Uh, compartment Number Five. Uh, <laughs> messaging. 
Uh, Nevis to try and figure out dinner. Uh, compartment number six. Compartment number six was picked up by Sony Pictures Classics. Uh, and the director of that movie did a little boxing film um, back a few years ago um, that was shot in black and white. I'm just looking up the title now. It was... This is making for great... Just the best content. You best know. content. Hashtag content as Eric looks that out. What should I get on my burrito, everyone? Uh, I think I'm going to do a sweet potato burrito. Yeah, I am doing that. Should I get like th- – here's the thing, Eric. I'm going on vacation essentially, right? Oh, the Even happiest I, I, day in uh, okay, the life of Ollie uh, Mackey. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. cool. Which cool, was cool, which cool, was cool, a cool. solid little kind of like feel-good um, boxing movie. Nice. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, well, yeah. What should you get on your burrito? And, and- well, I, I think I'm just going to like, I'm on vacation, so I'm, I'm going to eat, you know, I'm not going to eat like complete trash, but I'm going to, you know, eat what I want this week. So we're already kind of starting that tonight. And he was like, do you want a burrito from Jimmy Guacos? And I was like, I think I do. Or do I go with the, um, they have the uh, guacos nachos, and they use lattice fries, sweet potato lattice fries. But they make like not like a nacho su- or a fry supreme kind of thing with the sweet potato fries. And I'm like, do I do that instead of a burrito, or do I do a burrito, Eric? It's a good question, Matt. I think you should do whatever your heart and thanks. Uh, that bowels. literally literally does not help at all. <laughs> uh, the second one does sound interesting with the lattice fries. The lattice fries. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guacos nachos made to order. Sweet potato lattice fries drizzled with your choice of cheese, market veggies, one fresh salsa, guacamole, and sauce. Um, That does sound pretty fucking good, but then you don't get any – because I'm getting sweet potato in my burrito, so do I just want to eat it in the nachos? No, I think I want a burrito. Okay, cool. We settled that. Matt's getting a burrito. Let's move on to – 2021. <laughs> Let's move on to contemporary world cinema and discovery. And then we'll kind of just talk about TIFF. So contemporary world cinema, uh, we have, are you lonesome tonight? Uh, Oh, I already talked about some of this stuff. So I apologize, everyone. I'm going to be, or is this the same? No, this is a different press release. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to read it. I might've said some of these already. Are you lonesome tonight? The box, Uh, Cosa Brava, Lebanon, uh, the daughter, the hill where the lioness, uh, lionesses roar, uh, intergald, uh, kicking blood, La Saga Two, uh, Maria Chapdelaney, uh, or Delane, uh, Medusa, <laughs> Marina, nobody has to know, the odd job men, the other Tom, out of sync, terrorizers, unclenching the fists, vengeance is mine, all others pay cash. Uh, the wheel and whether the weather is fine. Uh, Eric, anything there that stands out to you? Well, I know Peter programmed vengeance is mine. All others pay cash. So that might be something to kind of look forward to. If you're a, a, a genre head, a Tiff midnight madness guy or gal or other. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's kind of one that may be of, of interest, but a lot of those titles I have not heard anything about um yeah same um and as i screenshot my burrito order everyone i am going with the sweet potato burrito so a little veggie burrito action screenshotting my order to send to my fiance and tiff talk continues with the discovery program aloners 
uh, a Nashalin leopard, uh, as in heaven, a banquet, Dug Dug, Farha, the game, learn to swim, low invisible, Paka, quickening, Scarborough, snakehead, to kill the beast, tug of war, and wildhood. Eric, your thoughts. So, Matt, uh, Scarborough hits close to home, and it's already following us on uh, Twitter. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll probably have to watch that uh, to represent. Um, so is it actually about Scarborough? Yeah, it takes place in Scarborough. It, so the movie, it's a it, it, it's not a documentary or anything. It's like a, a – No, I think it's like a coming-of-age thing. That takes place in Scarborough. I'm yeah. all in. I'm all for that. Um, cool. And then a banquet is another one that I'm very curious about because that was picked up by IFC and apparently it's a very weird and creepy movie. So, Which one? A banquet. A banquet. Okay, cool. Putting it on my radar. Excited for that. Uh, more gala presentations. The Good House, Silent Night, The Worst Person in the World. So those are the new galas anything there so the worst person in the world was already added previously but they as moved a special it to presentation gala. now they moved it to gala yeah. that's interesting so is there anyone in that movie like a recognizable no that's usually what a gala like what the difference is maybe yeah, just I mean, from scheduling a, yeah i mean um, the director is a big name in terms of like yeah. big name when i say like international for, speaking. yeah for yeah. the festival crowd yeah yeah um, maybe it's just from scheduling like they decided to premiere it at uh roy thompson hall so they moved it to a gala we got to put this, which is cool. I mean, I, I kind of yeah. dig that like this small little indie film is, is now a gala. Yeah, that's cool. Picked up by Neon then, in the US. Uh, more special presentations, The Falls, The Humans, Inu O, uh, Lingui, The Sacred Bonds, uh, Mothering Sunday, The Power of the Dog, Sundown, and Wolf. Yeah, so that has um, – a combination of can films and uh, some returning filmmakers like Michelle Franco uh, is, is coming back with uh, Driftwood um, or it was originally called Driftwood, pardon me, uh, Sundowners uh, as it is now known. It was originally Driftwood with Tim Roth. Um, he directed New Order um, last year, which was a film that was quite divisive. Right. Um, and then Mothering Sunday is uh, also a film that uh, played at Cannes. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, I, like this is, again, like there's a lot of stuff there that it's like, okay, would really like to see and and what have you. Some of them do have um, theatrical release dates, though. So, you know, yeah. like you have to also consider that when you're when you're putting a list together. What's like, do you want to watch something that you could see maybe a month from now or do you want to catch something that doesn't have distribution as of yet yeah and it might be you know a year plus or who knows how long um and then there was a couple other things that they announced they announced um some uh you know uh retrospective kind of uh discussions so they have anton fuqua on training day christopher guest eugene levy and Catherine o'hara on best in show uh, Patricia Cardoso and America Ferreira on HBO's Real Woman, Real Women they Have, have curves. curves. Yeah, um, Vigo Mortensen on Eastern Promises. Uh, so some fun stuff there. And that's, I think, it for the TIFF announcements uh, from the actual film side of things. They announced there are some honorees uh, that will be at the TIFF Tribute Awards. So Denny Villeneuve and Alanis. Uh, oh, God, I'm going to butcher your name. I'm so sorry. Oba, Obamsawin? Obamsawin? Is that it, Eric? 
that's close. Yeah, okay. that's that's as close as I could even pronounce okay. it. Yes. Um, so they announced that uh, both of them as honorees at the uh, TIFF Tribute Awards. And then they also, uh, Jessica Chastain uh, is going to be getting a TIFF Tribute Actor Award at the ceremony as well. And then that's basically your announcements for TIFF. So Eric, the festival is, uh, it seems like most programs uh, are announced. We do have, um, God, what's the the judging uh, program? Platform. Platform uh, to be announced this week. And so some, probably some extra films in some of those categories as well. Because what? How many movies are they doing? 150? Or? 150-ish, I think. Yeah. So as I many still, Pokemon, right? Yeah. Um, so I think hopefully it's 151 films on the dot. Um, Mew? Uh, what's yeah, what's going to be the which Mew? Which movie is the Mew? Yeah. Um, it's Clifford. <laughs> All right. Well, it's not Clifford. I know. So that was another piece of news. Clifford, uh, Paramount removed it from its release schedule due to concerns of the Delta variant, uh, which I guess we could go into Suicide Squad's box office and things like that. And a lot going on in the uh, the dog down. Yeah, I did the old Yeller gif um, for it. And um, so, yeah, the the lineup is coming together. And I think um, with platform this week, I think we're going to have a good idea of what the festival is going to look like. And, and, uh, we already know that, you know, New York scored a few exclusives with, um, uh, parallel the, mothers. Yeah. And Macbeth, the um, tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah. The tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know what's missing here or what could possibly be announced, but, um, we've got a pretty solid lineup and, um, I'm sure we'll get, you know, a couple movies we recognized in that platform segment. There usually is a filmmaker or two that's in there that, um, you know, is pretty recognizable or is, you know, sometimes they have a weird something in there that you don't expect or, or something like that, but that's or a where, new discovery. Yeah. That that's where Moonlight played as well. Lady like, Macbeth yeah. beast. Like, yeah, there there's, there's always something exciting in that category. That's usually like, Oh, this is, this is definitely worth keeping an eye out for. And the platform category is always exciting as well, because that's the one section where you have, you know, a, a, a list of filmmakers and people in the industry uh, judging and picking, you know, their, their, their favorite film of that group. So um, it'll be interesting to see who the, who the jury is of, of that group. Yeah. And um, maybe Clifford I, will return in that category. Platform. I don't know uh, if they're doing the TV section. Um this year or not so we'll have to kind of stay tuned on yeah prime uh, time prime time uh things like that or did they get rid of prime time they might have um, I, I never know with tiff anymore because sometimes like well the last couple of years have also been strange right because yeah well i mean that category as well i kind of think like television in the fall is not as interesting as television almost like at the end of the year into the beginning of the new year where you get yeah. more choice in terms of what's available. But yeah, I mean, like, it seems like, yeah, there's, there's certain titles that Venice has. And, and as you mentioned with New York, um, that, that we won't be getting, but there's also kind of an, uh, an interesting thing with even, you know, Telluride, um, mm-hmm. where that, those announcements won't be made until closer until almost when the festival begins, but you can kind of know some things that are playing there based or not playing there. Cause I think that they are getting the um, Mike Mills movie. Come on, come on with Joaquin Phoenix. And I don't know if, if Toronto will be getting that. And if, if it'll end up playing New York, maybe afterwards. Um, But there's some stuff that, that hasn't shown up anywhere yet. You know, Um, like a lot of like 
it might not even be this year now, but the, the, the Ruben Oslin film triangle of sadness hasn't shown up anywhere. And a lot of people did think that, Oh, if it were to show up, it would have been at Cannes, and it didn't pop up there. Um, you know, you, you have something like Paul Thomas Anderson's soggy bottom. And, um, that's a movie that a lot of people were thinking, okay, well it is scheduled for November of this year. Um, maybe that would appear at, New York, if anything, but again, it could have even shown up at Toronto because the master did play uh, there. So maybe it's just not done. And that was the the conversation, even with House of Gucci, where you know the last duel is playing at Venice, um, but it hasn't shown up anywhere else as of yet. And a lot of people thought House of Gucci would be the same, but apparently that movie is also going to be coming down to the wire in terms of being finished. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how everything nets out. We're so close. We're like exactly a month away from TIFF starting. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's still chance for Venom. You know, will there yeah. be, let there be carnage? <laughs> let there be carnage. Uh, from the other side of the news, like we can kind of just skim through this stuff and and rapid fire. We mentioned uh, Paramount pulling Clifford, so it is removed from TIFF, unfortunately. It's uh, been Sc- revoked. ScarJo um, suing Disney, and it looks like Emma Stone might also sue Disney. Uh, touched on it with Tim last week. Eric, I don't know if you wanted to give your thoughts quickly, but like I basically said that like it seems like there are no winners in this situation to me. Is like I agree that, you know, you should be paid for you know what's in your contract and and i don't blame anyone for um you know fighting back against a big corporation but it just seems so you know and i don't feel bad for scarjo because she's super rich already and 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 things like that but then i also am like you know it's just if someone was doing this to me at my job and i talked about my shitty experience and my employers treating me poorly and things like that i'd say fuck you pay me so like it, it's just because it's on another stratosphere of an amount of money I can't even fathom already having or having, then I still understand why she's doing it. It's just gotten a little nasty when, with the back and forth now and stuff like that too. Yeah, it's the principle of it that I yeah. think is why uh, Scarlett Johansson and her legal team are kind of seeking sort of retribution or, or some sort of um, – amount of money back or what have you um i do agree that it's like if it was contractually obligated for them to you know either have this movie play theatrically or only first or whatever it was they should follow the contract i mean you a contract is in writing and so the legality of it is is there and and i think you need to follow through i just think it's so unprecedented so some of this language probably isn't even in these contracts right Right. so that's because i mean the whole last year and a half was nobody could have foreseen that this is going to happen at the same time i don't feel bad for scarlett johansson in the sense that she'll be fine you know financially speaking but this is also a very weird time, not only for a changing in the industry, but a change in the definition of a movie star. Because I feel like, yeah, Scarlett Johansson is a movie star, but at the same time, what is a movie star now? Like a movie star isn't doesn't hold the same weight as an IP. You know, yeah. this it doesn't hold the same weight as the MCU itself. You know, Black Widow is probably one of her most 
lucrative characters and that affords her to go off and make an under the skin or something like that in between. Um, But at the same time, movie stars now aren't the same as what they were, you know, decades prior, you know, like a movie star in the matinee idol days to, you know, even the nineties and early two thousands isn't the same as what it is now that it's not about, you know, the, the, Will Smith, name, Sir Matt yeah. Damon's of well, this world. There are still few people that are probably no. There, there draws, are, but, but 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 even you look at okay, like Tom Cruise, for example. You know, like Tom Cruise is a guy who, like, yeah, he's he's a movie star in name recognition and and brand. But even he's a guy that you have to put him with the right IP to make that work. If you take him outside of the Mission Impossible movies or Top Gun and put him in a drama or um, like American, you know, American Made. Sniper. Oh yeah, a maid, yeah. That film did nothing and it had Tom Cruise in it. So the same thing with Scarlett Johansson. Like you put Scarlett Johansson in Ghost in the Shell or anything else that's not already a big IP, it doesn't work. So the the yeah, they're they're well-recognized names and and can bring something to it but if they're not on the right project that that has the money Mm -hmm. already to back it up or the years of of sort of uh brand name and recognition then it's not necessarily going to sell and and sometimes there were there was a time where that's all you needed all you needed was clint eastwood's name all you needed was will smith's name yeah on the poster and that was enough to get people to go and see it now that that doesn't work anymore right Right. yeah and and then contracts have to reflect that and then I, i think it just goes back to the conversation we have when Warner brothers decided to put all of their stuff on uh, HBO max is like, you just got to have these conversations before you make the decision. And maybe they did with ScarJo. Like I heard that maybe they did renegotiate to give her, um, you know, a different payout, but then because it did poorly in cinemas, she went back again. I don't know, but like with all of this stuff, I think you just need to now moving forward, you have to kind of think about this side of things and, and you know, the industry we're in the biggest, I think change in this industry we've probably seen in a long, long, long time. And, um, everyone's just still trying to figure this out. And I mean, we see that with the Suicide Squad box office this weekend being only $26 million. And I know that's partly because of the Delta variant, people staying home probably, but also it's available on HBO Max. And we've seen the second weekend drop-offs for a lot of things, just kind of the bottom bottom out because people assume that people are staying home to watch this stuff. Um, so well, I think we just Canada, to- I would be curious to see what the Canadian numbers for the suicide yeah. squad were and like to see if they were actually higher yeah. just because it is like now with theaters opening again in Canada and specifically in Ontario, um, we don't have the VOD option of watching the suicide. So maybe it did better here. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure people have. And that's another issue with the stuff being available right away is it's so much easier to pirate, right? Like, and and have a good quality version for people to just uh, steal. So I don't know. We're in a weird, uh, go back and uh, Eric and I talk about this frequently, but like um, the conversation I had with Tim last week on the, on the last draft, if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, it was really interesting to get his perspective and he's really smart with this kind of stuff too. And, and just 
having another person and talking to them about it. He had a really interesting perspective on it all. But um, other rapid fire news, uh, Hawkeyes confirmed a premiere on November 24th, which uh, I believe that means Miss Marvel's probably not coming till early next year because I really highly doubt they're going to squeeze in Miss Marvel in between what if and Hawkeye. Well, not even um, that just what, so, so what if is, is next on the docket, then Shang-Chi is going to be mm-hmm. September 3rd, which is crazy. Cause that's so close. And yeah. I kind of feel like there's no fanfare really for, for they Shang-Chi. They haven't really, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure they'll get into it in the next couple of weeks, but like, and then um, Eternals and Spider-Man will see out the rest of the MCU movie yeah. year. Right. So, yeah. so I don't think Miss Marvel's coming this year, probably early, probably the WandaVision slot that we got. Um, and it might make more year. sense as well because if the Marvel's movie is coming out yeah. next year, it would be better to be part of the kind same of calendar that, year. Yeah. Uh, we're getting a live action Pokemon Pokemon uh, series. We referenced Pokemon a couple of times. Um, Star you? I hope uh, I hope it's better than Detective Pikachu. But I saw some potential in Detective Pikachu for that to be a lot of fun. Um, Suicide Squad box office we talked about, um, which, you know, it is what it is. I, that could be a plethora of different reasons why. Um, it's not as good as Suicide Squad. God, I, it's so unfortunate. Uh, the Haunted Mansion casts uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Tiffany Haddish. So Disney's continuing. Uh, I mean, they. I guess it's essentially a remake, but uh, continuing with their Disney theme park ride movies by doing Haunted Mansion again. Um, Waiting for Log Ride the movie. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm answering. Uh, no, I'm okay. Um, about my burrito. Uh, and then uh, Netflix is really trying to get Chris Nolan to come over now that he's kind of uh, a free agent. Yeah. So, which, of course, this is one of those pieces of news where it's like every studio is going to want Chris Nolan to make his next movie at their studio. And like, yeah, I think Netflix and Apple and um, Amazon probably have the most money to throw at him and, and the most control that they can probably, well, everyone's going to let him make whatever movie he wants, but, but in terms um, of like how big of a movie he wants to make is the question, right? And yeah. And the theatrical side of things, like whoever he signs with is going to say, no, your movies you, will give you an exclusive theatrical window of however long you want before it goes on our service. And I mean, Netflix can sort of promise that unless the, um, the theater owners t- go back on their Netflix thing again and say, we're not playing Netflix movies or if they get pissed at Nolan for signing with a Netflix and go, we're not playing your movie. And then it backfires on him. If he does sign with a Netflix or an Apple or, or, or something like that. Um, I don't know if he'll end up at one of these places. I think it's wishful thinking from Netflix and, and, and stuff like I have no idea where he'll end up. My prediction is still Disney. Um, I really do think that they will give him as much money as he wants to make whatever big blockbuster he wants. But like your point, which you already alluded to, maybe he wants to do something smaller. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like looking at the the studios now that don't have any maybe direct connection to a streamer um, or the idea that like, the the window the theatrical window isn't you know three weeks and then it's on vod i think it's really but even even paramount and and sony 
you know, he has like, a previous relationship with Paramount as well. Yes, right? but Paramount and Sony do have somewhat of a connection with Netflix, and meaning that they've sold stuff to them, but they don't have a, a, a direct connection in the sense of like you know they won't like Paramount Plus though. Remember. Yeah, that's true, but I, but I do feel like with Paramount Plus, it's still kind of like it's a little bit tangled or murky yeah, with, yeah, with what yeah. what is considered Paramount Plus. But I do, you are right with the like that window. But I do feel like Tarantino will look to both Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino. Sorry, Nolan will look at them. You said yeah, Tarantino see, twice. Yeah. Sorry, pardon me. So yeah. Tarantino, because I was thinking, because I've been thinking about Tarantino with. Once upon a time in Hollywood, and like his sort of sort of move from he did a road show and had everyone pitch to him, right? Yeah, and and I I almost feel that that'll be the similar situation where Nolan will kind of have meetings Take with meeting almost with everybody and yeah. find out like maybe he will go with Sony, where like, maybe he'll go back with Warner Brothers, but I don't know. Like now that they, right. it seems like starting next year they're not going to put their stuff on HBO Max first. He'll, he'll but come like, crawling back. He could, I don't know, but. I mean, money does talk, but then again, Tenant didn't do that well, and Tenant was very expensive. And like, I mean, I, I could still see Warner Brothers wanting to be in the Nolan business because they he has made them so much money in the past. But I think that he is going to have to mend some fences in order to do that. And I could almost see like them sort of being like, okay, we'll let you come back, but we're not going to give you. Two hundred million dollars to make another tenant, or or what have you. Yeah, and I almost feel like Nolan, like maybe Nolan does want to make something small again, or something that is like under a hundred million. But at the same time, he could be the guy that's like, well, I expect you to give me, you know, the theatrical, a complete theatrical run, and also, you know, the director's cut on the film. But I also want this budget for the movie, and I want these movie stars for this thing. And like, yeah. he can't have every, he can't as, have his cake and eat it too. Like he's gonna have to make some choices. Someone will give him it though, you well, know. Watch a twenty. He's going to a twenty four. Make some small ass movie again. That'd be cool. Um. Moving on from that, uh, shout out to Bob Odenkirk. It seems like uh, he's tweeted a few times he is going to be okay. Uh, he had a small heart attack, um, but he is overjoyed with everyone sending him kind words and that he's going to take some time off and then eventually uh, get back to it. So uh, very good to hear that Bob Odenkirk will be okay. That was a scary kind of 24 hours when we didn't know uh, what was up and all we heard that uh, he collapsed on the set of Better Call Saul and then was rushed to the hospital. But he had a small procedure. He said he didn't have to have surgery, but it could have been something to get rid of the blockage. And 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 now he's doing okay, which is good. Yeah, I, I it's it's good to hear. And, and, and hopefully, you know, he comes back to working on film and television when he's ready. I think it's one yeah. of those things where it's like, don't it rush could, into it. Yeah, like, don't and, and like don't feel obligated to do yeah. something, especially when your health is is not at its best. Like, and I think he said, Sony has been really good about it and stuff with uh, the Better Call Saul kind of thing. I'm sure they just will shut down production uh, until he's ready to go, right? So, yeah. and maybe we'll get a delay in, in the series, but um, as long as it takes for him to feel better uh travis scott is making a movie over at a24 so there's that i have no i idea had no idea who travis be. scott okay. was <laughs> i love that i love that I, yeah uh cactus jack himself um yeah travis scott uh musician everyone if you don't know but um a guy who's really uh you know i think it's the perfect 
collaboration and whatever the hell this movie is going to be. Sure. Um, then again, I thought chance the rapper was going to have a, a huge hit over at a 24 and then slice comes out. And yeah, that was it, another one of those movies we were talking about that. They just kind of, I mean, not a great movie, but like they dumped, they, they dumped. Um, Tom Hanks is joining Bill Murray in Wes Anderson's new movie. Love that. Um, Lucas- Tweet for all. Lucasfilm hired the guy who uh, deep faked um, the Mandalorian season two uh, Luke cameo. So they hired the guy who did the thing better than what their whole team did. So uh, good on that guy. You know what? That shows you everyone make your stuff, put it online and you never know who's going to watch it and maybe you'll get your dream job. So um, yeah, because if you can do it better than a major studio, that shows that you have uh, for probably a fraction of the budget and yeah. the team. So one day someone will listen to this podcast, Eric Butterfinger will call us and they'll go, we want you to do the Butterfinger Bite movie podcast. Um, only hope. And- <laughs> uh, J.K. Simmons is uh, most likely going to return as Commissioner Gordon in Batgirl, uh, the HBO Max movie. So the uh, Snyderverse uh, lives on. Um, the DCEU gets his, what is it and who gets to continue just, you know, pick and choose from whatever movies you want, and maybe you'll show up later. So J.K. Simmons getting ripped for nothing isn't is you not know, for nothing. Nothing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Hunger Games prequel is starting production uh, next year. Does anyone really? It's no. about the president, dude. Like, oh, President uh, Snow. Yeah, Donald Sutherland. Uh, yes. <laughs> Hopefully, they just get and bring him back and de-age him. That'll be great. Um, the Clint Eastwood style. <laughs> Trey Parker and Matt Stone uh signed a 900 million dollar deal with paramount um uh viacom right is that yeah yeah, viacom for 14 south park movies and uh a bunch more seasons of south park even bigger Um, longer and uncut 14 movies sounds ridiculous but it's probably I, just I, like a series of episodes yeah, put together into that's one what film. i mean like yeah um i mean good on them i can't believe um south park continues to offend and continues to be funny at times and um and it's just you know with the simpsons seems like something that will just never die <laughs> yeah um <laughs> it'll go on even after humanity's been wiped out yeah uh matthew vaughn uh signed a 200 million dollar deal with apple tv for argyle which is a star-studded spy movie inspired by the um, character in die hard uh you know the last 200 dollar uh deal apple made for cherry um <laughs> oh yeah i think that was 200 million dollars they they did with sure cherry, didn't look like it. i feel like probably did not make 200 million dollars on that movie i know it's hard to kind of put money towards it with the subscription model and stuff like that but um i don't know like i like matthew vaughn a lot i like the kingsman movies I, i'm I, excited I liked... that he's getting away from mark millar yeah yes i agree with that as well i mean i i like the kingsman movies but you know i i'm excited to see his own you know uh, spy movie that kind of moves away from um, great cast with Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas Howard, John Cena, Sam Rockwell, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, Sam Jackson, Dua Lipa. Um, so a lot of people uh, in that. Uh, Brendan Fraser is in the new Martin Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. Good for him. Uh, and then a Brendan uh, Fraser uh, reconnaissance or whatever you want to call it. Or Yeah. And um, Sundance is requiring vaccinations for all attendees and will continue with their hybrid model of online and in-person. Uh, so we can apply forward. again. 
I think so. And it seems like the first five days of the festival will be in person and then the movies will play. So it'll be like exclusive for like almost a week in at the festival and then it'll go to the digital route. And that's your rapid fire news. Woo. Eric, welcome back. Thank you for joining me. I never left. Um, I'm off to the cottage. I'm going to eat this burrito. Um, Enjoy your week. We will have a review of Don't Breathe when I get back. Don't so, Breathe 2. Yeah, Don't Breathe 2. Um, Unless you want to re-review the first one. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the main show when I come back because I, I am going to – are you going to rewatch the first one? Uh, maybe. I I, I, I mean, haven't I seen much, it since it came out. Yeah, I probably should. I have the 4K sitting somewhere. Does, is there a 4K? Or maybe it's just Blu-ray. I, I don't think know. it's just Blu-ray. I bought it in the US, so it's uh, no French. There you go. Uh, thank you I all for there listening. there was a 4K coming out. Maybe. Uh, I looked up yesterday because I wanted to see if my... Because my this is how I decide where I'm going to watch my movie. Do I go downstairs to the den where I'm sitting right now? Because that's where my 4K TV and soundbar is. Or... If it's not a 4K movie, then I'm just going to look this up on Blu-ray.com right now. Before I'm we... pretty sure I looked it up yesterday, and there is not a 4K of it. Yes. But because oh, you know what it might have been? It might have been uh, they announced a 4K for part two. Right, right. Oh yeah. Okay. So don't don't breathe. Two has a 4K date already. <laughs> okay. There you go. Uh, if you guys like this, we have another podcast where we review movies, which we were just talking about. You guys can go check out our review for Vivo, uh, which we just posted, as well as Vivo uh, Las Vegas. If you're into musicals, Annette is another uh, movie we just reviewed. Leo Carax is Annette. Uh, free guy. Uh, the Suicide Squad, uh, David Lowry's The Green Knight. Uh, I also appeared over on Kind of Funny on their reactions for The Green Knight. You guys can check that out on YouTube and podcast services. Uh, Jungle Cruise, Stillwater, Zola, G.I. Joe Georgians, Snake Eyes, uh, Old. We previewed Dune and more. Uh, Tim Gettys joined me for the last draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, it was a really fun conversation. Speaking of conversations, we have another podcast called Untitled Movie Conversations that you guys can go uh, subscribe to. We have conversations with other kind of funny uh, members like Joey Noel and Nick Scarpino, as well as uh, chats with Phantom City Creative and others. And they just uh, they announced um, that they did the uh, artwork for the next Vestron video release of Dementia 13, Francis Ford Coppola's first film through Vestron Video and Lionsgate, which will be available on Blu-ray in September. There you go. Fun, fun, fun. Uh, go over to our Letterbox HQ, Untitled Podcasts. Um, uh, follow us over there. We put all of our rankings of different franchises, our reviews, our ratings, uh, schedules, different things like that. So head over to Letterboxd and follow us over there. All of our other socials are at Untitled underscore cast. Uh, if you would do us a favor and drop us a review on our reviews channel, uh, review on our reviews channel um, would really help us over on Apple Podcasts. And as always, my name is Matt Roybeck. You can find me around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and follow me on all those social medias at Matt Roybeck. Matt, there's one other thing we should mention before we close this thing out. We're almost at episode or draft 100. I know. I'm excited. We have some fun stuff coming up. Um, I don't know if we're going to do anything special for that episode, but it should be a fun. Um, we do have some special things planned, and I think uh, I'm really excited for the future leading into you know our third anniversary, our fourth year. 
So three years of doing this, and it's wild that. It's what did we that, do? Like, I don't know. Uh, and then third year of of Untitled, and going into our fourth year, and then leading into the film festival. Um, I'm very excited for some stuff coming up and some different little things that we're going to be doing and, and and stuff like that. So yeah, episode 100 will be August 23rd, I believe I said. Yep. Um, so that'll be fun. And I uh, teased out some stuff on social of what uh, is to come. Not Nothing exciting on your end, but uh, as a listener, other than, you know, there might be a new look for some things, which is kind of fun. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, thank you for mentioning that, Eric. Yes, we'll mention it again on the next episode because yeah, 99th we'll be at 99. draft Wayne Gretzky will be here too. No, I wish <laughs> the great one. We'll be watching Love Star Guru of with Mighty Wayne Ducks Gretzky. Too? <laughs> yeah, that's true. We'll be watching the Love Guru with Wayne Gretzky. Oh man, that'd be good. Uh, I'm Eric Marchand. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social media is at em6211. Until next time. Go eat that burrito, Matt. Star.